<laughs> I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes. Like a doll's eyes. I love this town! <laughs> Hello, city! Welcome back, everyone, to City of Geek Podcast. We took uh, the end of October slash beginning of November off because uh, Halloween is a super busy time for us here. Mm-hmm. Uh, 100 Days of Horror wrapping up. Everything Woo! goes on, all the tours that Kim and I had to give and everything else. So welcome back. Uh, thank you for taking the time off to listen uh, to other people instead of us, I guess. Strange Eons or uh, a Ghost Stories podcast or a bunch of other people. You and we got a new one launching. Yeah, actually that's on my, my notes here. Mm-hmm. I but before we get into uh, anything and that, we probably introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm Bob. Cody. Kim. <laughs> Tony. Co- Co- Cody, as he's about to start eating, he's like, the, when the waitress comes by, he says, are you doing okay? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what so I was Bob is fulfilling so that for. awkward function by giving yes. us the intro while, while Cody is full of business. Bob awkward? Never. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, and this time we were, we were talking about our horror television shows, stuff like that, kind of a general topic with... General free-for-alls, you know, to probably see where things go. Um, Do we want to limit it to a number? Or, yeah, we're going to see gonna... where, when, when, when Kim says, get the fuck out of my house. Oh, there we go. Uh, we'll say we're That's done. That's right. <laughs> so apparently I have to go drink wine at 9 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's such a hard life. It is. It's a hard life. Uh, I've heard gonna... <laughs> some 9 a.m. wine drinking. And those damn indie wine makers need to have some income support. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you're there to support them. Mm-hmm. It's how are they going to pay for their goddamn mustache wax cam? Right? <laughs> there we go. Yeah, uh, but I did want to get into a little bit of other updates before we start talking about our topic for today. Uh, first, you know, we're talking about, as we mentioned, about podcast updates for other things. Uh, so Ghost Stories is now moving to a different mm-hmm. format, right? Yes. Uh, we have closed off the season for Ghost Stories. We had a good run, but Gabby and I want to expand... Uh, cover things outside the Pacific Northwest, cover things that we encounter on our travels. So we'll continue to share ghost stories. Uh, We will also be branching out into some more lore sort of stories, some uh, urban legends, and some true crime, because that makes Kim happy when she gets to talk about murder most foul. Mm -hmm. And so our new podcast is called Ghoulish Tendencies, and we will be launching shortly. We're recording our first episode, uh, actually... I'm going to say Thursday, which isn't going to mean anything in regards to when this... Because we're recording the 5th, comes out the 15th, assuming I get everything out in time. So (laughs) Sometimes it's like, oh crap, podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, Bob, it's the 16th, where's the podcast, man? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I get the message from one listener, like, hey, (laughs) mom. (laughs) Uh, But the logo was posted the other day, and Mm -hmm. it's really cool. It's very cool. Yeah, Gabby found an awesome artist. Yeah, it's like... That that look, it looks like awesome. you and Gabby. Really like cool. it's like yeah. it's like yeah, it's mm-hmm. like well, Gabby's very distinct with her like hair and her, and her glasses. It's like oh, there's Gabby. That that's definitely Kim too. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get somebody to draw us. That'd be cool. I don't know. I might break someone's eyes. People know what I look like. <laughs> I'm a mystery. I'm like Sia. You don't know what my face looks like. You want to be a, <laughs> you want to be a mystery wrapped inside an enigma. Except yes. for all those. For all those photos, and <laughs> those are nothing. Those are robots. But I want that's, uh, that's an actor uh, who's playing me. Whenever you don't see my face, I, I just wanted to be Bob and like doing this face, like Wilson and uh, uh, <laughs> <Home> <laughs> <Improvement>. <laughs> and then Kim's off to the side, and I'm like, you know, it's 
um, it's like a sitcom, and I've got Tony on my back like this. <laughs> and, we're going, and I'm I'm the wife in the background that's just like. <sighs> yeah, there. That's right. We get to be the imbecilic, goofy, you know, comic males, and she gets to be the the long suffering female. Yeah, the long, the long suffering, <laughs> way too smart for these Joker oafs females. So, <laughs> well, the typecasting going down there. And, I mean, <laughs> and in addition to that, uh, we've been throwing out a couple ideas for a possible side cast, uh, right. but I don't know when it would start and what the details to it should be of work. Since we love to watch our really bad movies, we do. Uh, that's, you know, Cody and his religious uh, exploitation movies. Not, explo- not really exploitation, but uh, per- pers- uh, persecution, persecution movie. His is uh, Christ... Uh, Christ-exploitation. Yeah, it's like, it's like persecution films. Uh, and then everything else I like to watch. So I'm not doing like maybe a, a podcast just about watching the worst movies on Metacritic. Uh, we know there are other podcasts out there that kind of do the same thing. Uh, You're going to have to watch way. a Dinesh Susan movie. Yeah, again. exactly. Get to cross that line. Uh, but that's something we're looking at here. If you have any input on how to approach that, it would be cool. We're looking at like maybe doing what's listed at the bottom of the Metacritic, bouncing back and forth between this year and all time. Obviously, uh, something that would go. I'm sorry. My neighbor has a cat and Aww. he's shirtless and is apparently <laughs> quite attractive. Is it and Jason Momoa? It might be. But it's the cat that really adds that extra <laughs> level. Wait, is he shirtless or is the cat shirtless? Yeah, the cat shirtless, of course. <laughs> I'm going to say, shirtless cats would not be a huge <laughs> When you live in a building that is just windows, and you're walking around with your adorable cat without Wasn't a there a whole thing in Friends about this? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and he's jerking it. <laughs> <laughs> is the cat still in the room? That's kind of weird. He's looking at the cat. Really, they're not, neither party is breaking the eye contact. No, no. Uh, and then alternately, I wanted to talk about uh, some Crypticon updates, and I wanted to talk about Crypticon. Yeah, uh, some cool stuff oh, happening. Da- yeah, David Naughton got uh, announced since we were. Yeah, uh, yes, David yes. Naughton, Joe Bob Briggs, and uh, I think there's one other. Uh, was Bill Mosley added before last time we talked uh, about no, it? He was the first one. Yeah, yeah, him and Felissa Rose were the first first other ones. I think we mentioned them, but we didn't mention Joe Bob or um, or David Naughton. So I'm looking yeah. forward to meeting David Naughton. So I've Seen most of, I've you know seen Felicity Rose before. I've seen. I feel Bill like Rose, Joe Bellows going to wander Joe around Bell, the party yeah. for. Um, oh yeah, he, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually met David not many many years ago at a Hollywood collector show. Great guy, and I have my twelve inch of his hit disco dance single "Making It" autograph. You had twelve inches. Like, you had twelve inches from David Nutton. Oh, t- you should talk to my neighbors. <laughs> you can see that far away. <laughs> I have excellent vision. <laughs> we got. The, let's get the telescope, Kim. Kim's, Kim's got the shirtless stud radar gun. I'm just, listen, listen. I'm facing the. It's 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 just right. It's right there. It's right there. What is a girl supposed to do? Uh, anyway, I've derailed things. Oh, it's all right. Um, but yeah, uh, sorry. But yeah, David Naughton had a disco hit. Uh, it was the theme song to his short-lived sitcom, also named Making It, which was. It was made to capitalize on the um, Saturday Night Saturday Night Fever disco boom, um, and it's a pretty catchy little number. Um, I look forward right to hearing that. Yeah, it's right around the time he did the Dr Pepper commercial. Yeah, which, those are famous, of course. <laughs> uh, and then also the uh, Crypticon Film Festivals open up for submission. So if you are a person who has short yes. films, such as the person sitting across the way from me, um, no, I'm not. No, no, I'm talking, talking about Kim here. I, uh, have, I have some short films that I might be submitting. Nice. I get to, 
clap the clapper for those. That was fun. You d- I know. <laughs> I was like, if you're helping to, to judge them, does that mean we get an in? If we probably are. You probably ask Eric. Eric, if you're listening to it, just put us in. <laughs> well, like, like, they're adorable little little children. They're not little children. They're teenagers. But they're adorable, very sweet teenagers who are very excited about creating these horror films. And I feel like we're feeding the next generation of little tiny horror fans. I've always Visceral. thought about doing a very, very short film that's only like 15 seconds. Do it. And it's just Peter Bark running away from me. <laughs> and in the back, it's me, and I have a Trump mask on, and I'm wearing a Borat suit. And it's just all in slow motion. I think Jackass did that with a... I believe not they did. That not that exactly it that way, me. but essentially the same joke. It's like a horror of Jackass. Oh, yeah. terrifying. The, the procedure, part three. Oh. <laughs> Bone Bat, too. I'm stoked about Bone Bat. Yeah, they're open for submissions, too, so check them out. Yeah. Uh, Grave Plot's open for submissions as well. Yeah. Check out, this uh, is uh, year two. Yeah, it's very so there's going to be a lot of fun. And their Indiegogo's going. Mm-hmm. Uh, remind me to link it on there. Uh, Bone Bat usually opens up, uh, their Kickstarter usually opens up in December or so, so keep an eye on that. We'll, we'll, we'll link it when, when the time comes. Um, so a lot of our, our friends have, have um, festivals. We don't. Uh, we just have the guy across the way that we watch uh, make eye contact with the cat. <laughs> that, that's, He's that's making some deep eye contact with the cat right now. <laughs> yeah. And please message me about the City of Geek um, film festival, which is just a screening of The Reliant. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, Cody. Fuck you, Cody. Followed by Hillary's America. Wait, wait. Fuck you, Cody. <laughs> You know, three fuck you Cody's and an angel gets his wings. <laughs> and the birth of a nation to follow That's it up. so sweet. <laughs> or a bat gets its wings. That's there a bat. I like bats. I like that better. I like They're bats happy better. bats, Bob. Happy bats. <laughs> what does this have to do with horror TV? It doesn't, but uh, that, that I did reference a television no, show. About that. So I did uh-huh. reference a television show. It always has a great Halloween episode. It's Bob's Burgers. But let's just go ahead and talk about horror television. Uh, now we kind of got... You know, the bills paid. No, gonna, no, we don't get paid money from any of these people. <laughs> <laughs> Crypticon, uh, we need to check, Jason? Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. If you were a stand-up comic, that would have been like the ultimate in Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Like the, like a movie we watched last month. Oh, oh wow! Yes. Even Catman, he stopped making eye contact with cats and looked over here. Oh, so, uh, like many of you, probably like you know, as much as we watched cart, we watched uh, movies growing up. We talked about this before. Probably cart. Uh, I'm gonna say cartoons. That's what I was thinking of. Essentially, uh, the first things I remember watching. But uh, grew up a lot watching horror television. By more, even more of an intro than. Then uh, TV, then the movies work. So it mm-hmm. pops you down and says, watch this, have fun, mm-hmm. see you later. And actually, you know, four hours later, Dracula have gone by, and ah. you're, you're stuck. <laughs> uh, do you guys, before we just talk about anything kind of hodgepodge, um, any particular early TV horror memories for you guys that stand out? Uh, or it shows that really hit you earlier. So whatever, I'm just throwing it out. Erie, Indiana was big oh, for yeah. me. Yeah, Erie, Indiana was really big for me. Uh, it was it was like the kid version of Twin Peaks kind oh, of yeah, in yeah, some ways. That. Like it, uh, it, it was only it only lasted for like two seasons, and then they tried to revive it at one point. But I think it didn't even last one full season. But it was a a fun little cute horror kid show, and it was creepy. Like for a kid show, it had some really creepy moments. Um, and it's all about this boy who moves to to a place called Erie, Indiana. Um, so that was a, when I was a kid, that was not missed for me. I watched, it was on, I think, Saturday mornings, and I used to... Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was a Saturday morning. It was a Saturday morning one, and, uh, it was, it was not missed. It was not missed for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, yeah, that's a show I remember watching a lot uh, here and there. I didn't catch it as much because for some reason the pit the channel and Pittsburgh they didn't really show too many of the Saturday morning cartoons and television shows uh, as much as they showed new stuff on the Saturday morning for some that's fucking what you reason. Get being a dirty Pittsburgh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> hey, bring up George Romero, motherfucker. Get <laughs> <laughs> um, for living in PA. But uh, yeah, that's one that we that I remember catching here. They didn't show Dante have a lot to do with that. I think. I don't know. Yeah, I, I want to say he was a key that. figure, and I think he was an executive producer. Yeah, Kelly might have even directed a couple of episodes. I wouldn't be surprised. They've been talking about bringing it back. I, I heard. References well, because I mean, you've got this whole nostalgia factor. Because another one that was big for me was Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, that's kind of where my teenage, um, preteen. Yeah, it was pre- preteen, I think mostly, and and it was uh, Saturday nights because it was Snick. Yeah, and it was like. 9.30 on it. was 9.30, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so there was this element of, I'm staying up late to, <laughs> haha, I'm staying up late to watch this show. And uh, it was, they just revived it as kind of a, not really new, like a limited series. It was only yeah. three episodes, and I watched it. And it was cute. It was, it was I thought, a nice uh, way to bring it back for another audience. I'm not sure that they're planning on continuing it, but it would be cool if they did. Yeah, I, what I've, Scene, it seems like it might be kind of a tester. You know, if it yeah, hits, it hits. It there, there was well. going to be a movie, and that was delayed, pushed back, and they put out the show instead. Because this was basically a, a movie. I mean, yeah. it was a like miniseries style. Because each episode was like an hour. Okay, I haven't watched it. And it was three episodes. It's on my list of stuff to watch. But. It was again. It was. It was. It was good. I thought it was well done. Um, the kids were were likable. They were. Uh, the story was fun. It was a nice update instead of the more anthology style that the original was. This focused on one story hmm. um, and went a little bit in a Goosebumps direction in some ways but I, I thought it was it was uh, pretty good all the stories you're telling have come to life is that maybe Goosebumps in this case or I don't know <laughs> <laughs> no yeah shit the cops know we're recording here get down <laughs> but so Jesus, like, it's the buzz looking like in the short list that I make I didn't make as long as I was like there's strange how many like are television shows that are made for kids or kid based mm-hmm. uh, what's the ultimate gateway horror for kids is something that's on television it's readily mm-hmm. available and even if it's you know i mean uh, you know it's targeted for a mass audience so and i always have a lot of respect for um kid-based um horror series and so forth because they're trying to introduce something that is um considered not for kids to kids and uh, it takes a fair amount of skill to be able to kind of um Create that gateway drug for for uh, for young fans to get into horror. So, but kids all. like scary stories. Oh yeah, I my thing is I I have just a few scattered years above and beyond you guys in terms of the chronology of my existence on this earth. Um, and, but I do remember that some of the most striking stuff that I saw was definitely. Um, leaned towards the horror element um, and, and it was oftentimes in things that you wouldn't expect it I mean um, one of the one of the very popular series that was in syndication when I was a wee lad many many eons ago um, was the speed racer cartoon um, the uh, Japanese cartoon yeah. about speed uh, about the about speed. speed racer <laughs> about speed yes um, who was a race car driver and had a, 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 a member of his crew as a chimpanzee and he, he was in love with a really hot girl with a bob named uh, Trixie and Spritel was the name of his 
kid buddy, and Chim Chim was the name of the uh, the chimpanzee. Um, but there was one episode, and I honestly do not remember anything else about this episode. But uh, the character of Trixie was having a dream, and she was running towards Speed Racer, who was this go Speed Racer, yes. go, go Speed Racer. Racer. Go, spirit, go. Um, but in the dream, she was running towards Speed, who was her boyfriend, and he was—he uh, was, of course, a traditionally anime handsome guy with swoopy black hair and big anime eyes. Um, but his back was turned to her, and uh, she ran towards him in this dream sequence and touched his shoulder, and he turned around, and his face was this incredible demonic visage that was sinister and fang-filled and gray and had these uh, enormous cat-like eyes, uh, and it was accompanied by the appropriate sting of cacophonous music. And I couldn't have been more than five years old when I saw this, and I was terrified to my fucking core. And then, of course, I wanted to see more, um, which we all do when we're into horror. So that, yeah, it's always interesting to me. Uh, I grew up at a period in time where most of what you got that was horror was grown-up stuff. You know, um, my early formative. You know. Like the Nixon administration. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Too young to too young to really realize the the horror of that. Um, but one of the first ones that made a huge strong impression on me because it was in syndication. I'm not that old to have been alive when it was first running. Um, was the Twilight Zone? Yeah, um, yeah. Probably yeah. first thing in all of our lives. I was I was just I actually literally the last week I've watched about a half a dozen different episodes of the show, and I'm astonished at how well they hold up. No, they're fantastic. I, I, I want to know this. Because, what's everybody's favorite Twilight Zone episode? That's a hard pick. You know, it's it kind of very tough one. Although I will, one of my favorites, I actually got a chance to rewatch very recently, um, and that was an episode called The Howling Man. Yes, it's um, uh, season which is, two or so, I believe. It's actually yeah. season one. Season one is okay. Yeah, it's like surprisingly, yeah, uh, season one. Um, it's an episode in which a man uh, who is on a walking tour of a remote corner of, I guess it's Europe, they don't even tell you what country, what city, what, what you know, uh, uh, he uh, is caught in a rainstorm and ends up stumbling into a uh, very creepy old castle that is inhabited by a bunch of uh, hermits. It's called a hermitage. Uh, they're not monks, but they are uh, monastic in their level of kind of devotion and, and focus and you know not interacting with the outside world. Um, and they have a man imprisoned uh, in this uh, mm. in their in their uh, their castle, as it were, and. Uh, this being a 50-year-old episode and us having had, you know, five or six decades of twists, um, uh, it's, it ends. The denouement isn't exactly super revelatory only because other people have done similar things since. Um, but watching it, I was actually really struck at how super atmospheric and creepy it was. There's a deliberate element of disorientation to it. This guy stumbles in here fatigued. Um, a lot of it is POVs with the camera tilting just so slightly. And plus, uh, the lead hermit is played by the great John Carradine, and he gets to disgorge the entire story. Um, of um, what's going on with the episode. And I'm literally not going to tell you anything more than that, except that I think it's a wonderful 
Uh, dark fairy tale. Time to take a drink, Jennifer Lovely. Dark fairy tale. <laughs> dark fairy tale. Um, uh, but yeah, I, so that's one of my favorites. So um, I will uh, not going into the whole reason of the story, but I say I did. I wanted to watch that one again recently because I trapped the devil as uh, as on Hulu and I watched that. Yeah, and it kind of yes. related mm-hmm. back to that. And so I think it was the first one written by Charles uh, Beaumont for that for that one for the show. Yeah, uh, it's been fantastic episode. Like, and I like a lot of the. Uh, the ones that a lot of people like, Time Enough at Last, and yeah, The Surf Man, and I Would Hold Her. Uh, I think actually, the, it's not a horror one, but I think the one I actually like best is one of the um, the astronauts land on uh, the graveyard planet, and they can't figure out what's going on because everyone looks like they're mannequins, but they're all essentially stuffed. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I think that's I think Elegy's name of that one. I'm not, not entirely sure. But I think that's what I'm afraid. There's uh, on the 14th, which will be after this, you know, before this, this comes out, they're actually showing three hours worth of restored um, Twilight Zone episodes, six episodes on the big screen. Oh, and it's I, a Fathom event. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's oh, actually covered on A-list, right. so I got a ticket. I don't think I'm going to go ultimately, because uh, I don't know it's three hours. Email. I just watched season one again, like, last Wait, wait, month. wait. It's actually covered by A-list? It was when I got my ticket. Oh. <laughs> it might have changed over time. Sometimes if you get in the first like day or two before they'll before the list comes before out. Before they notice. Before yeah. they notice, yeah. Uh, but have you guys watched the new one, Jordan Peele? I don't have. No. Like, yeah, I don't have CBS. No, so, and I refuse yeah. to pay more for. I already have cable. I shouldn't have to pay for cable. Honestly, yeah. I've heard things. middling. Same thing with the new Creep Show. It's kind of uh, no. I like the, cre- the new show. The new Creep Show a lot. Though. I haven't seen it, but I've heard middling things. Um, Oh, I, I did like the 80s one, and I liked the 2002 one with uh, Forrest Whitaker. I really liked the Aztec Sacrifice one in the mm. 2002 one. I thought that was really well done. It scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. Uh, any other favorite episodes you guys want to talk about? I, like, I had to look up the name because I didn't know the name of it. Uh, the one with the little boy, It's a Good Life. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Bill Mummy. Um, although I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, like, I don't know if it's sacrilegious to say, I, I enjoyed the Twilight Zone when I was younger, but... I was in Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Oh, nothing wrong with that at all. I yeah, was, you're not going to get any argument. Uh, that was my... And I think it's just because it used to run on Nick at Night, and I was a pretty mm. religious mm. Nick at Night watcher. Yeah. Get Smart was my favorite show. I well, love so. Get Smart! <laughs> Would you believe? <laughs> Missed it by that much. Uh, yeah. But I was a religious uh, Nick at Night girl, and, and Alfred Hitchcock Presents was on Nick at Night, and so... It, and it used to creep me out, and I loved it. But I watched that a lot more, and I watched Twilight Zone. Yeah, Allison too. Availability. It was it was a lot more available to me than the Twilight mm-hmm. Zone. Yeah, Allison said she watched a lot of uh, Alfred Hitchcock growing yeah. up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The um, but the one more note on Twilight Zone before I kind of move on to the various other things we have to talk about. Uh, I didn't know that my the, my wife you know is a middle school teacher, and she shows shows episodes of the Twilight Zone to kids on like when they have a little time or an extra day or whatever. Kids eat them up. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like she said, she says a joke once, like, I'll make you guys watch Twilight Zone. I said, okay. So they started yeah. watching them. Cause she's talking about storytelling. She's an English teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she's like, as amazed how much they loved them. She's like, I didn't expect a show from 50 years ago, you know, with different production values in black and white to hold up, but the kids devour The, the stories them. are very Thank timeless. You. Story <laughs> yeah. writing is super strong, and unfortunately, um, it's, uh, well, fortunately or unfortunately, it's very timeless, and the one thing that really made me think of that is one of the other episodes. This will be a quick footnote because there's a lot more I want to talk about other series, um, but The Monsters Who Do on Maple yeah, Street. Yeah, it's one of the classics. Mm-hmm. Yes. one of the uh, classics. Still holds up. And I, I assert that if everyone 
who voted for Donald Trump <laughs> saw that episode of The Twilight Zone, they would not have been stupid enough to vote for Donald no, Trump. No, but they don't see, uh, the, uh, just out getting too much politics, those people don't, don't really see into, like, messages, you know. Uh, I was, I'll, but it is... I was this thing the other day when people were talking about, like, Star Trek has always been the role how you pay, people to pay attention. And people on the, the comments boards, for the, the comments underneath that on Facebook are like, it's just a science fiction television show. Stop thinking into things. It's like, ah, oh, that people, you're the people who should be realizing this. No, blacklisted, <laughs> blacklisted writers are writing for this TV show. You know damn well they're going to slide in whatever messages they yep. get. And the monsters are due on Maple Street, like a lot of Twilight Zone episodes. Um, has very cogent things to say about human nature in general. And that's probably why kids, even today, respond to those storylines. That and also twists. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, What's yeah. twist? I like that one where they're in the um, post apocalyptic world and there's like this god in a cave. And it um, it fo- they they have to follow its specific like instructions to stay alive. They're like a little village. I don't particularly remember this one, to be honest. I might be the only one who's seen it then. <laughs> it's not a, is it, uh, I've is seen it the entire the series. It's from the original. Oh, okay, interesting. Maybe yeah. it's one that I saw on my best. But, well, it's uh, about nine or ten seasons. So it's five seasons. There's a lot. There's a lot of five material. Seasons. Five. Five seasons. Five. Five seasons. I have them all. I have them all. Material. Yeah, it's a lot of material. Related to them because they're around the same time was. The Outer Limits. The Outer Limits, yeah. More oh, yes. science fiction than yeah. it is horror, but There's, it definitely, they, they all, uh, they're both side in there. If you have. There's One, enough, if, if you're going to consider Twilight Zone, yeah. you have to consider Outer Limits. I grew up watching the the newer Outer Limits, because they used mm-hmm. to play, I think on Fox or something. Yeah, they play mm-hmm. at night with monsters, or yeah, USA. Yeah, yeah, so, or yeah, maybe it was USA used to play the reruns or something. I So I grew up watching the reruns of The Outer Limits before I ever saw the original. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed the... The, or the, the 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 newer version. I enjoyed the newer version. I only remember one or two Halloween episodes from it. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I do remember uh, the few episodes that I saw, uh, really liking them. Um, but I again, you know, because I'm I'm kicking it old school. I did see the original Outer Limits um, on uh, syndication on TV when I was a, a wee wee lad, and for me, um, it was a really it was a really jarring series to watch as a kid because if you watch it now with a grown-up's eyes, that movie is shot like European um, mm-hmm. post uh, European neorealist cinema. It's shot in like very high con- contrast black and white. It's shot definitely with an eye towards unusual composition. I mean, it, you could tell that these guys. I think Conrad Hall was one of the cinematographers that worked on the show. You could tell these guys were really um, influenced by the French New Wave and by Fellini and stuff. I mean, you can literally see it in how that show is shot. Uh, and also in some of the kind of like the existential endings. I mean, Twilight Zone would come up usually with like, it would like neatly wrap things up with a with a very specific twist. And it would like, okay, boom, that's the end. Um, with uh, The Outer Limits, you would get much more open-ended endings. You would get uh, stories that would kind of leave you hanging, you know, that wouldn't have some, you know, twist that was wrapped up in a neat little bow at the end. And that is, that was and remains very unusual TV for its time. Yeah, I need to go back and watch those. I've seen them here and there, but they're, they get linked in a lot of ways because they're, you know, same time, simultaneous have, yeah, have uh, reissues and became part of pop culture. Um, so I think probably actually best if we kind of maybe just like went around as we often do for these and kind of mention something talk about and see where conversation goes kind of just moving around um 
I know it, rather than kind of like just floating, because otherwise we might just stay in one swath for a bit. We talk about why I was for an hour and a half, you know? Uh, so, Cody, you've been kind of quiet so far. Is there something, uh, a favorite TV show, or whether for any time? We talked about youth at the beginning, but it really could be just... Oh, when I was a kid, I really liked um, Curious the Cowardly Dog. Yeah, that's on here. Yeah. That's straight up horror. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is like... Surreal. Holy shit. Fuck you. <laughs> Miriam! <laughs> Always, it's weird to think about because I think of it like if you look at it as a dog more like oh it's just a dog's fears you know just because it can't rationalize everything that's around it and it's kind of like putting it on there but yeah that's such a great show it, and the blank thoughts from both of you guys never watched uh, Courage I, yeah. I, I've <laughs> never even way, heard of it way, <laughs> this is where anybody who acknowledges they watched that show I say fuck you just because I'm <laughs> way too old to have seen it or appreciate yeah. it check it out it's a surrealist yeah weird I'm actually. intrigued just hearing you guys talk about it I'm very intrigued honestly yeah. <laughs> Make it like <laughs> just I call it because he eats candy. I'm like, okay, am I like this is cat biscuit actually very well done. Kim did a very nice job preparing do. it. Don't lay a finger. I'm a butterfinger. But yeah, that, that was on my list too of, yeah, uh, of the, the pop dog. Awesome. Yeah, check it out. I think it's streaming somewhere probably. It's only like thirty episodes or something, I think. Uh yeah, that kind of went. That fizzle. <laughs> I've, I've never even yeah. heard of it, so I, I can't contribute anything to yeah, it. I have nothing really connected to it. Besides that, uh, so oh, yeah, Campbell, yeah, uh, I haven't heard of something you like. Probably. Yeah, what's, probably. Something <laughs> that, what's something you like that you, what's can, something be, you, like? you, can, you can deflate the room by nobody else liking it? Uh, so there was a it. show on in the 90s that only ran for, I think, two seasons called American Gothic. Yes! Oh, my oh, God. It's on yeah, my yeah. list. I that fucking show loved that is show. Phenomenal, and I remember watching, especially I think the first season is yeah, great. The first season is fantastic. And great cast, absolutely. And great what anchors cast. it? What inarguably anchors it is a character played by Gary Cole. Yes, that was oh, the first yeah. time the I sheriff, saw him. I think, yeah. Right? yeah, and I think it was probably the first time anybody had really seen him in anything. He is yeah, stunning in that movie. If you like Gary Cole as a character actor, where he's kind of you know, I mean, he plays like the plays unlikable like, office prick yeah. in Office Space. You know, the redneck sometimes. Exactly. Kinda, um, yeah. He is. Absolute magic mm. in this show. He is a sheriff in this town. Someone at the door. And, Someone at the door. <laughs> and he is. Um, oh, how? Yeah. How? Oh, it's great. He's he's not a good guy, but how no. much of a not good guy he is is something that is sort of gradually unraveled as the show goes. And he is brilliant. He is so excellent in that show. And there's a weird supernatural kind of demonic element to it. It's. You've got, uh, you know, a ghost sister. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I loved that I show when I was a kid. I, well, I watched that first run when it was um, showing. At the I watched the first run. Yeah, I watched the first run. Yeah, I was a kid, but I watched the first run. Some of us were a little older. But um, uh, my brother and I used to watch it together. And yeah. uh, it used and it, and, it, and it was genuinely creepy. Yeah. I remembered existing. I never, I never mm-hmm. saw it. But and, I, I, go ahead. Oh, I, I, I applaud. Uh, Strange Bedfellows Alert. Uh, the show was created and executive produced by none other than Sean Cassidy, the teen idol. Oh, really? <laughs> Absolutely. That's he was a key creative bonkers. figure in that show. I didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, he's been uh, looking at the IMDb now. He's, been, he's an executive producer and creator for a lot of different things. Like He kind of gets around a lot for that. Yeah, but that, I think, was like kind of the first one that that kind of really established first him one, yeah. as someone who could be a showrunner and had some kind of unique ideas. Um, and it's really good. I mean, I haven't I haven't seen the second season in a long, 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 long time, and I think it kind of um, loses its way a little. Um, and it did end up getting canceled after that. Yeah. 
And but, I think part of it, too, it got a little sporadic at the airing of it, too. Yeah. Which yeah. A, a lot of... I, I think a lot of those kinds of shows... Because it was, it was just post... Maybe a couple years post uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah, it's like, yes, it was. Uh, I was like, I'm linking it in my head to Twin Peaks of like so the, it, the post Twin Peaks. It's kind weird of writing the, the weird TV show of Twin Peaks, but I think yeah. much like Twin Peaks, it had this first season and then it didn't fully know what it wanted to do in its second season. Yeah. And you can see it. You can mm-hmm. see that it was struggling a little. But I haven't rewatched the series in a long time. It's on my list of ones I want to revisit mm-hmm. now as an adult. Because I think the last time I watched it was probably as a teenager when it was in syndication mm-hmm. yeah it came on 95 so it came on when we were young teens <laughs> yeah yeah and i think i saw or maybe when i was in college there was a network that syndicated it for yeah, a while I, I have to try man fuck I was, you cody I fuck was, you cody fuck you cody two. Two. Three, whatever yeah i was too you were an egg but that's that's a show I've wanted Wait, to Eric, check out. The air just kind of keeps on, on leaving the room randomly <laughs> at certain points. It happens. Uh, and it's my impulse to want to fill the air with something. So. Wine? Um, yes, yeah, with wine. Uh, <laughs> yes, let's fill the air with wine. Um, so, uh, so, I think it's funny, like, in response to that, like, you think Twin Peaks and where, what come after Twin Peaks, you got... The one the the show that took the horror and ran with it was like American Gothic. The one show that took the the weird neighbors thing and ran with it was Northern Exposure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh but, but the, like, the like very quirky yeah. side because that that's that side of it's completely devoid of horror. It's yeah. Uh, oh, it's almost funny to me because Grant Goodeve was in the show. Uh, Grant Goodeve is a local actor. He was also an and, eight is enough. Yeah, he was an eight is enough. Well, so I went to school with his daughter. He was my softball coach. So it was really trippy when I was younger. Whoa. Because I'd see him on TV, and my parents loved Northern Exposure. Yeah, and I'd go to baseball practice, and I'd be like, I just watched you on TV, Mr. Goodeve. And he would <laughs> laugh, and he'd laugh. And, and yeah, so yeah, no, I went to, I was in the same grade as his daughter. Wow. So Crazy. that's my small world. Small world? You. Yeah. So okay, American Gothic. Okay, okay, so that was you. Okay, um, so uh, yeah, one of the shows that was uh, again betraying my hideously ancient vintage here. Um, one of my favorite um, shows as I was in grade school. Um, it only lasted, I think, for one season, maybe two seasons, but it was a massive, massive, massive influence on a lot of TV shows that you like, including and most especially. The X Files that would be Kolchak, the Night Stalker from uh, 1975. I want to say Um, it started out as two really good TV movies. The first of which, The Night Stalker, uh, ended up being the highest-rated TV movie in history up until that time. Um, And it introduced a character named Carl Kolchak, who is a hard-nosed investigative reporter in a um, seersucker suit and a straw hat who would investigate um, all of these strange phenomena uh, from a uh, hard-nosed, pragmatic standpoint, uh, replete with great, almost film noir narration, play-by-play on cases, and he would stumble into these bizarre situations. He would stumble into a case where the killings, as in the pilot film, Night Stalker, were by a vampire. He would stumble into a case where a werewolf was massacring people in New Orleans and and that sort of thing. the show ran hot and cold. Uh, sometimes it was creepy as all get out. Uh, sometimes the monsters were patently ridiculous and laughable, as is wont to happen with 70s monsters. Yeah. Um, but the thing that consistently struck me is I thought that the closing few minutes of every single episode of that show were terrifying. Because every single episode of The Night Stalker would end with Carl Kolchak typing out on an ancient, battered, manual typewriter um, what was left of his story 
his own testimony relating uh, to uh, an adventure that he had been on, and he would always be in the you know umpteenth floor of his newspaper office, completely alone after hours with all of the lights dimmed except for the light that was shining on him and his typewriter as he typed out the last bits of the story and every single ending his monologue would always strongly infer that whatever it was that had menaced him and that had caused all of this terror was still out there somewhere and that scared me to the core the truth is out there, Tony. And yes, that, yeah, that show definitely was a huge influence, right? Yeah, there. when yeah. I first saw so, when I saw trailer when I saw previews of the X Files before it started, I thought, okay, great, someone learned that <laughs> you could rip off Kolchak, the Night Stalker, and it's like wait twenty years and you can a, do it again. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good show to rip off. Yeah, um, Darren McGavin, one for the ages, just a the old man, terrific. <laughs> and you will never see an actor like that at the center of a TV show ever again because everybody wants cut GQ models and and you know perfectly you know chiseled anonymous supermodels to be playing leads in their shows now so didn't they remake that with a they remade it with a very pretty chiseled guy I think it was but it didn't last long oh Oh, of course not 2005 I was actually oh god it was was longer than I I thought it was recent now look nope it's 14 years years ago ago. Stuart Townsend Uh, I was like who is it was it was the bad facade yeah and it was also um, executive produced and show ran by Frank Spotnitz, who was on the X Files. Oh. And it was after the X Files had started, of course. So and the uh, interesting the in the revital and the I haven't seen the the newest version of the X Files, but the first revitalized the revisited series did an episode with. Um, uh, Murray from Play the Congress game. I think it was the oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, as a were beast, whatever, but were human. Uh, but he's dressed as Kolchak when he's uh, Kojak. Sorry, when he's alive. <laughs> when he's uh, Kolchak. Sorry, when he's um, I, I threw between the two. It's Tyler Sabalas. When he's a human, Who loves you, baby. <laughs> he, he's dressed as Kojak, which is cool. Um, but yeah, great show. I really worth seeking out, especially the. Um, the first two pilot films, which are basically made-for-TV movies, and they're both about 90 minutes long, are The Night Stalker and The Night Strangler, which is partially shot in, in, that, in well, the Seattle Underground. It's it's shot in the Seattle Underground. Give it's us the scoop. shot in the Seattle Underground. <laughs> There's air quotes it's there. It's set in the Seattle It's set in the Seattle Underground, yeah. All right, so my, but, uh, my, my re- but, revivalist... Blarney is. Dumb. I really do want to watch that show because I've gotten so many fucking recommendations on it. Yeah, it's so hard to commit to a TV show because it's is, not like a movie where it's like, okay, you know, an hour and a half. It's at like, least no. something that's thirty years old has already ended. Yeah, you, know, you got twenty episodes. You just blast through it in a couple of days, and yeah, not like I, something now which is continuing, continuing. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, as soon as I get caught up, there's fifteen more seasons of Supernatural. Full disclosure: <laughs> one of the reasons why I may not be as as. Uh, as in in this topic as others is because I really do have a difficult time um, like committing to hours and hours of a TV show binge watching it's very I just don't Hell have yeah, enough time in the day. I, was a, I was a TV kid like for me I grew up and I, I don't know if this was maybe being a kid and an t- early teenager in the 90s but like um, I was I grew up with TV and we couldn't binge watch stuff yet because Uh we didn't have, but like the ritual of, of a show that you're invested in and watching it every week and recording it, uh, on the VCR (laughs) to, to watch it. Um, 
Dad, push record at two o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, like, I one, well, and I remember because my mom knew how to set the VCR just by pressing the button, and my dad taught my brother and I how to like set it so we could record things. And I remember getting a VCR for my room, and it had up to six slots. Ooh. I could record up oh. to six things ahead of time, and Holy some of them cow. you could set for weekly record. Oh. Shit. So like I have this and you could set if you watch soap operas, you could set a Monday to Friday <laughs> record, which I did. So I can get your stories. So I can oh. get, get my stories. stories. Yeah, oh. I fucking rich kid. I was a Days of Our Lives in a general <laughs> hospital kid. I started watching Dude, Days of Our Lives. Yeah. Patch. Patch and uh when Marlena was possessed by the devil. Toads horror. Tell me about it. But Same uh time. no, I was a TV kid. Like I loved television and i think part of it is that and i don't know if this is also the performer in me but i like really investing in a longer chunk of characters lives mm. and so a long-running series especially you get really invested in these characters because you're watching them over you know four five six years yeah. Yeah. and something for me is i very much similar it's like i was a tv guy for till i was like 18 yeah and then I just kind of fell out of it. And, you know, with the internet coming in and, you know, finally getting a girlfriend, that kind of took up time. And the next thing I know is, like, you know, I've got one show I really watch now. It's The Walking Dead. Well, and it's, it's funny because I, I've been... I, I had fallen away from a lot of TV the last few years partially because it became too much of a commitment. But this fall, I've committed to a few TV shows where I'm actually watching it weekly, like I used to. And I have to say, I've gotten a lot of enjoyment out of it. Uh, out of not binge-watching, but actually following something week to week. You're not the only person who has told me this. And also, I think, um, uh, showrunners and uh, Netflix programmers, among others, are s seeming to get that people like that sense of anticipation. Yeah. And I think, I think <clears throat> it brings back a certain element of, of making that TV show, in this case... A little bit more precious because yeah. you're not having it all dumped in a big supersized, you know, container into your lap. You're actually absorbing the first one that you see and waiting for this for the next mm -hmm. one. And I think I think that's a good strategy. And I think it, it increases again, it increases it increases how precious watching that show feels. And it's and, become a nice way, I don't know, like if I get home from work rehearsals, whatever, and and I'm tired and I'm like, I just need something to unwind a little bit. I'm going to put on last night's episode of, I don't know, Prodigal Son, uh, which I started watching. And it's not good, but I can't stop watching <laughs> Fair it. Fair enough. Well, no, no. It's, it's because it's because Michael Sheen, I've watched do literally yeah, anything. he's amazing. And he's amazing. And he chews <clears throat> scenery like the best of them. It's not that the show's good, but I can't stop watching it. So I keep watching it. Hey, but you know, some TV shows are a... An eight-course nutritious meal, and some are just a bag of greasy, tasty-ass potato chips. It's a nice way to unwind. I but there's a, there's a lot of stuff streaming now that's fantastic. And then, uh, of course, streaming's easy to dump and binge. But some of the Netflix and Hulu, particularly Hulu, are, and Amazon a little bit with Creep Show, are looking at doing it week to doing week. Doing week yeah. to week. Like, Hulu's been doing that yeah, for, for a while now. Putting the first three, then kind of going from there. I need mm -hmm. to catch up in Castle Rock, which I didn't... First season I thought was kind of uneven. I've heard the new season's amazing. I'm wondering uh, if I can just even... start at season two. Probably. I, I think so. That. I think it's separate without without having to pull back in the first season. The first okay. season wrapped itself up, called it a day. I think it's new season. It's its own thing. I haven't started it yet. Okay. Um, but Creepshow's you know, coming out week to week. Mm, now yeah, it's done. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Lights of Feather, they split into two parts. Same thing Ooh, with Netflix. I and uh, Lights of Yeah, that was great. We're going to play that. Seth, Seth, you're amazing. I, 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 well, and that was one that I ended up then, like, when the, the new seasons came out, I just plowed yeah. through. Yeah. I, watched, I, I waited all of season two was out, and I watched it all And I me- kept messaging Seth, being like, you bastard! <laughs> uh, yeah, they see what he posted today. It's like, people posting, but it's like, you maybe get connected, then you kill them. I know, no, 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 there was, there would be times I'd be, like, mid-watching an episode, and I'd take a picture and be like, why did you do this? <laughs> uh, but that's a great show, like, if, if, oh, it's if, a fun show. If, if, if you've been reticent time. about watching Lays of Feather, because you think it might be, like a, like, a teen-based show, it's fantastic, it's made for everyone, it's... It's just, it's fun, it's really fun, too, like, uh, and I mean, I mean, this is a compliment, but, like, I was something I always enjoy about about Seth's work is that he really captures teenage girls very well. <laughs> he captures teenage girls. He put them in the basement? <laughs> he puts them in the basement. No, but like... Uh, I don't... I, I'm particularly harsh of criticism for, for when men are writing... Women or men are creating female characters. And, and he gets teenage girls in a way that I find uh, pretty remarkable, so... Let the record state that Seth Sherwood knows his teenage girls. <laughs> Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send him a message. Anyway. Like, oh, today's podcast. Seth captures teenage girls really well. <laughs> I think it. I think it boils down to cardio. I'm always seeing it on the treadmill. And they're Lord. running full speed across the convention hotel. Yeah, he's, on he's running from cardio. something. But, uh, cardio. Anyway. But uh, but that brings into like yeah Netflix and Hulu and uh, a new rise in, in streaming and horror which is working really well. Uh, Stranger Things, everyone's oh, yeah. like, like yeah. It, people are really latching on to horror and streaming. Maybe because it's maybe our, our bubble, but it seems like a lot of these have actually reached the major like but I don't know how much things yeah is culture. But yeah, that one obviously. But like the, how, the Haunting of Hill House, know? how much like yeah. is that all horror? Is that all our people, or is it really like, no, everybody? It's, it's <laughs> I, because I had civilians. I always get a little annoyed when civilians ask me if I've watched like civilians who know I'm a horror person. Like, have you heard of this show, Haunting of Hill House? I'm like, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you. And yes, I have, and I loved it. Um, but it's it's there's a lot of these things that have crossed. I mean, horror has become pop culture in general, and yeah. well, but it yeah. comes back to geek culture becoming cool. Yes. And it's becoming okay mainstream. To like horror again. It's yeah. okay to, and it's okay to like genre. It's okay to like sci-fi. It's okay to like comic books. It's okay to like horror. Shit, back in Tony's day, you said you like Bruno Mattei. They would chase you down. <laughs> <laughs> Get your rats right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, hey, your rats. Hey, uh, Riff Tracks just put out Rats Night of Terror is one of the Riff Tracks. Oh, I'm going to watch that. I want to watch that. Who needs a Riff Hey, a Riff Tracks is numbingly redundant for a Bruno Mattei. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I am, okay, represent, my friend. Fuck yeah. High five. I legit cried at the end of his last movie, the the, the, the one with the, the alien baby-sucking machines. Yes. Uh, uh, okay. That would be Zombies at the Beginning. Yeah, Zombies the Beginning. Oh, the one you posted on the, your day, day two. They posted... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It's on, like, blurb. day 67 of my very non-consecutive days of horror, which I finished. I was going to say, did you finished, what, 2017? 2016? Uh, 2017. 2017! Yeah. But they posted, like, a, oh, yeah. a Ciao, Bruno, and it's a clip of him, you know, right before the end, and I'm like... Oh, miss that crazy son of a bitch! But we're diverging. To- yes. Now, if there's a guy who should have been a showrunner, oh now. my god! Can you imagine god. a Bruno Mattei TV shit series? We oh, have an idea. Rat. Just do it. 
<laughs> he's like, you know, fuck it. We're just going to rip everything off. Like, one episode could be Twilight Zone. One episode <laughs> could be Hour Limits. And then it goes into Stranger Things for an episode. And then there's no. a Leave it to Beaver where Peter Bark <laughs> is, like, there. Oh, dude. I would so I'd buy that. into that shit. I'd okay. watch that. Um, but maybe we should talk about real TV but, shows. But I'm talking about, if we're uh, just so much a little streaming there, if you guys haven't seen um, the Castlevania TV show, Two seasons so far on Netflix. It's it's really well done as well. I I just can't get into anime. It's anime in my world. I like Sailor Moon. <laughs> I like. Well, we're gonna no. I let's do an episode. That's of anime. a whole other episode. Uh, I don't know what. Yeah, um, mostly that I like Sailor Moon. Yeah. That's my experience. Uh, with anime. Let's see. I'm thinking of another TV show that I, I have. A, I have there. an insane list. So I've, I've got one. Uh, yeah, I got a giant list here. I'll go over since uh, I know it kind of been thrown out, but, so, but I want to mention going back to my youth. You know, as a lot of these are talking about like when I was a kid. Uh, but real Ghostbusters is probably my first major fandoms. Uh, I know, oh, wow. I know like, Ghostbusters besides me in this room, but uh, the real yeah. Ghostbusters was a great show. It was a was a great show. Great a. Uh, a wonderful gateway to a lot of other horror stuff. So they brought in a lot of uh, myths and legends and cultures from all around the world into the show, and uh, a lot of yeah. a lot of great writers of comics like J. Michael Studensky, who did um, Babylon Five. Babylon Five. Uh, I heard the series finale was the uh, biggest myth of them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And he decided there's not a lot of women that is this, this game was this, uh, mouthing. Oh. <laughs> woman, woman mouthing, no. Uh, well, no, they had, they had a they secretary Jeanine, right, yeah. that was very... She got to be a Ghostbuster as things went along. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, Annie Potts rocked. I will not dispute that. But, but uh, the show was is a really well written. Really, a lot of effort was put in to make it a good show. They weren't uh, when all the commentaries on the DVDs they were talking about how they weren't just trying to make some cheapy animated show, toss it out there for the kids. They they put a lot of effort to make it accessible for you know all ages, and put a lot of work into it to make actual good stories and st- good writing. Uh, Kim's giving me a blank look. Yeah, it is. No, it is a great show. I, I, I used to watch it as a kid because it was on Saturday morning cartoons. I liked the Adams Family cartoon better because I liked I Wednesday Adams. Dude, Adams Chef. Family mm-hmm. cartoon was legit. Adams Family cartoon was legit. Um, no, I mean, I I didn't dislike Ghostbusters. I was just never again. I wasn't into it because there was no characters that I was like, I could, you know, like when I was. Wow, Bill Murray's. Uh, Womanizing pervert. Yeah, well, I identify with that. When I was a kid, I used to play a lot of pretend games, and Ghostbusters wasn't a game I could play a character in. Fair enough. Other fair than enough. the secretary, and you know what? There was enough of those. So. Hey Kim, can you file these reports? <laughs> but you did touch on uh, another TV show, another property that just has multiple different television shows. Is the Adams Family? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah the original's great. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the I monsters like the, in with this. Yeah. Oh, they're, I love they're, the they're incredibly linked. Same time. Yeah. Same the fucking outlook. monsters. I love to fucking death. I watched every fucking one of those with my mom. Um, all thirty, like whatever, thirty-seven of them, and I am. That is one of my favorite, favorite, 70 episodes. favorite, favorite, uh, whatever, man. The reason I was sitting, because I actually mentioned this, I was at Half Price Books the other day, uh-huh. and they had the whole set on clearance, on like the back area. Like, so I'm like, oh, cool, I picked it up, I put it down for half a second. Uh, it's like, oh, what's that over there, Time my shoe or something like that? Dude next to me is like, ooh, grabbed it and walked away. I'm like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> That's so You know, I, I actually got into a very lengthy uh, Facebook discourse about how I thought Lily Munster was a better mom than Carol Brady and the Brady Bunch. Fuck yeah. And I, I was readily argue with that. I was going to say, yeah. I was, Morticia I, I, I was, was I, legit. I, I would put it and I would say that really the Munsters were a really good family. Yeah. Just, you know, like they weren't like... 
like fucking Leave It to Beaver, where it's like, oh, I'm just gonna sit in the corner. It's like Lily actually had a real role in the yeah. family. Everybody had a role. Well, and the thing is, that woman had to hold everybody's shit together. I mean, her husband was a class A man boy imbecile, you know, and she basically had to bail his ass out. God knows how many and times. Grandpa at like seriously probably did some weird shit in that basement. <laughs> Gra- Grandpa almost started a thermonuclear war more than once, and who pulled his ass out of it? Lily, Lily. Mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, the, the monsters absolutely. Oh, and the great. original Adams family. It's yeah, I'm more of an Adams family person than the monsters, but they get the both fuck out of here. The, and the new movie's actually pretty solid too. The, um, Again, I haven't seen that, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I'm but, okay, uh, Bob, watching that on my behalf. So in other words, <laughs> is it neat? <laughs> Sweet. Petite. Uh, what point do I get to tell you all to get the fuck out? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's 9.45, so normally about an hour from now, but you could do it now. Yeah, you, you I don't know. I haven't finished my list, so... I know, neither have I. But, uh... Yeah, uh, yeah so anyone I'll uh, throw out whoever's next. Right. I have to go around, I guess, to be you, Cody. All right, um... Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah, that's on here today. I particularly like the Christmas one. Where the family is being so horrible to that those kids, and they're like, "Oh, the Grither is gonna get you." Uh, have you ever seen the Grither one? No. I it, it's basically this thing where they make it out to be like this fucking Krampus-like character. It's the Grither, and he's gonna fuck with you on Christmas because you're naughty little shits. And it's a really good Christmas-themed one. Hmm. And they also do a really good. There's a couple. Uh, the one the. The one where the uh, lawyer realizes he's going to go to hell, and hell's a real place, and he doesn't want to go there. So he tries the most half-assed way to be as good as he can <laughs> before he eventually... I'm going to spoil this, because it's a 35-year-old yeah, series. But they um, <laughs> <laughs> um, And then, you know, lawyer lawyer dies. And then, you know, he's like, you know what? Okay, I'll be one of your minions, Satan. Let's talk stock options. <laughs> you know, I think, really, honestly, it was really has a lot of good stuff and the movie was good too yeah i just want to i watched a lot with my mom uh it's one of our, our weekly shows and produced by romero uh, a lot of great writers attached to that a lot of stephen king episodes a couple clive barker ones uh various people who, big people of the industry worked on the show so it was a, it was a starting point for a lot of people yeah, yeah. Uh, but then you ain't have to link that into Tales from the Crypt, you know, came out a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, Tales of the... I, like, a whole bunch of lists here. <laughs> Everything that isn't a kid's movie on here, is, a lot of them are anthologies that I have listed here. Yeah. But well, uh, I, I think, think horror it, shows horror? Yeah. work I mean, really well. It's campfire stories. Because, you know, I think there is a... It's hard to tell a horror narrative for a very long time yeah. because eventually it... It weakens and it grows yeah. old. Yeah. yeah. Ah. <laughs> the movie, the show. And it's like, you know, I think that's why it works so well. In- I think unless you're doing, because a lot of the long, the longer running ones were ones that I think you're kind of procedural style. Yeah. Because then you have your monster of the week or, or I mean, even something like uh, Forever Night, which mm. was basically a vampire procedural for the yeah. most part. It was a cop show where the lead cop happened, happened to, to be, be a vampire. vampire. Yeah. So you can get away with it if you put it in another... Like Dark Shadows is a, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dark Shadows is a soap opera with supernatural with stuff. With supernatural Eventually, stuff. Eventually, for several years, didn't. But otherwise, <laughs> it's really hard. I mean, I think I'm even looking, I'm looking at you at the current season, American Horror Story, uh, 1984, which I've been watching and I've been enjoying mostly because I, I like the cast. Uh, I'll watch Billy Lord do pretty much anything. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, but it's, 
I hit a point like two episodes ago where I was like, this is the longest fucking slasher movie ever and it's going nowhere. All three seasons you, of slasher. You, but you see them <laughs> Cut out struggling so it, yeah. to... where it, It's funny because I thought the first two seasons of a Scream reboot were really solid. And part of that was that, you know, each one kind of had its own mystery. Uh, but it's 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 hard for... We're, we're, a lot of horror, part of it is trying to solve you know, uh, find peace for the ghost or figure out who the murderer is or, or something, it's a lot to sustain over seasons and seasons and seasons unless you either make an anthology with every season being self-contained or anthology episode-wise. And even the anthologies, I, I will say this about American Horror Story, Ryan, what's his face? Murphy? Ryan Murphy. Yeah. He does not know how to write no. a fucking ending. No. He yeah. cannot stick the landing. Him and Stephen King have that yeah. in common. Yeah. I mean, it's dude cannot stick the landing ever. Mm-hmm. Every time he tries to stick to the landing, he falls flat on his fucking face. Ryan Did you try on episode eight or so where it kind of is like, uh, yeah. and we're done. Okay. Well, or they'll get to a point where it's like, okay, this can really have a good conclusion. And then he rushes, but it's like a, an episode left. He's like, okay, we've got like four or five more episodes for the stuff where he drags and there's yeah. episodes that are no point. His pacing is really off. And he, his visuals I think are usually really interesting. He has a good sense of comedy. Um, but telling, I mean, because even his non-horror shows have struggled with this. Like, Glee struggled with it. Nip Tuck struggled with it. He doesn't he he he's kind of like M Night Shyamalan. Like he's got good ideas. He needs somebody else to come in and help. Yeah, them giving him carte blanche on everything really fucked. Up. It's it's not a good it's not a good look. Um, I will say a a series that for me was probably the thing that scared me the most as a kid. Uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, that's on. Oh yeah, yes. that was by far the thing that scared me more than anything else. There's something about that real prosaic procedural um, pseudo-journalistic element to Unsolved Mysteries that was just freaky as all gas. Well, they were just true. Yeah. They were true stories. Yeah, absolutely. Where the fuck did he go? Was it aliens? Mm-hmm. Was it a serial killer? We don't fucking know. He's Robert no Stack is sitting up there stoically telling you about you know, everything. You one know, one that really voice. worked for me was uh, Beyond Belief Factor Fiction. <laughs> oh, Jonathan yeah. Fr- is that the one Jonathan Frakes? Yeah. Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> I love Jonathan Frakes. Mm. You know, and it, his wife on General Hospital. Jeannie. Jenny Francis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's like, you know, they're adorable. That kind of that like, was kind of like the Unsolved Mysteries of, of your decade. Pretty much. <laughs> I was, like. Was the, that like two years ago? Yeah, probably. probably. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of presenting things from the real world in that supernatural sense, or giving it that possibility. It's like, yeah, was that guy probably taken by ghosts or aliens? Probably not. But, but I mean, you could still you could still make that case. Mm-hmm. The History Channel makes an entire like Ugh. ancient yeah. aliens, ancient Hitler the guy aliens. Guy with the weird hair. Yeah, it's to get weirder, does, weirder over time. How I'm like, I don't think they really care anymore. I know, but I'm like, they stopped. The caring. dude makes money doing that. How can I make money doing that? Well, That's so what I, I you could make a whole living on, a, on the convention circle by doing this one show oh. and one the right movie and the right character, and you get. I want to do live. that. I'd like to do that. Sign me up. But, uh, you know, it's the thing with uh, both of those, like, I always like the reenactments, even though as cheesy as they are, which kind of like, that's why I haven't revisited uh, Unsolved Mysteries, because I'm like, oh, this is a really bad acting, and it pulled me right out. It, well, what scared the shit out of me as a kid is it going to be like, oh, I see a fog machine and a community theater actor. <laughs> I will say, because I've been rewatching some of the segments for, uh, in, for research purposes, some of the true crime stuff I've been covering 
if Unsolved Mysteries covered it, I'll watch what they covered. And the reenactments are killing me, man. The reenactments, yeah, like, I don't remember it. them being that bad when I was a kid. When I was a kid, they were scary. And now I'm just like, oh. There, there's something about, I think, the fact that they are so crude and so, like, not effective on a conventional level. Mm-hmm. Actually, when you're younger, it makes it, I think it, it, it kind of amplifies the fear factor because it feels off-kilter and wrong. Yeah. And also because it's usually just incompetently delivered enough to where you are filling in the blanks if you're an imaginative kid, mm-hmm. you know? You're filling in the things that you may not be seeing in this not-so-great reenactment. I wonder if, like, the fact that... I remember the ghost ones more I do the true crime ones. If, like... Because there's less acting, maybe, in the ghost ones. <laughs> well, and see, the true crime ones were the ones that scared me. Yeah. See, because, again, they were, yeah. True, they were true stories. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Mindhunter, can we consider that a horror? With the new show... I don't really, I don't know. For me, that's pushing it to consider it horror. Um, It, for me, is more procedural. I guess it's horror the same way that, like, Criminal Minds is horror. Um, And I guess, I guess you could try to make that case. I don't know. You could make the argument in that it's, it's like, real life horror. Um, But it's not designed to be genre. It's, it's, it's designed to... Somebody from work said I sound like Ed Kemper from that show. <laughs> hmm. I haven't watched it, so I can't tell you. Have yeah, you ever I'm... seen interviews with the real Ed Kemper? Mm-hmm. It's trippy. No, I don't know. Like, you have... His tone of voice... He does something with his voice that's... His cadence is very specific. Um, I sort of see what they're saying, but... I, I know. I'm like, you know, honestly, I'm not creeped out. I'm a little, like... Oddly flattered. Oh, he's very well spoken. Yeah. He's exceptionally well spoken. Oh, he just yeah, happened like, to yeah, kill a right. fuckload of people. He did, including his mom. But it sounds like she had the coming. <laughs> a cat wants to be fed. Oh, fair enough. Me? So, uh, wow. Tony, do you have a title well, you like to while, toss uh, up? While, while Kim is making sure that Tilly gets nourished here, um, I, one that I want to mention because it was. Uh, I was a huge fan of it, and I thought the first five or six seasons of it were amazing. And um, I, I think it, uh, it it just really made a strong impression on me. Uh, was Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Huh. Ah, wait, I, you can't talk about Buffy when I'm not the table. Uh, what are you not gonna say? We can we can we can talk before you get here. Table Buffy. <laughs> yeah, we can talk. Oh, I can mention. I think for me it was interesting. I I had seen the original movie, and when I heard they were making a TV show out of it, I mean, I liked the movie okay. But I thought, yeah, a lot of real studio force rewrites. Yeah, is it? Yeah, what's it gonna do? What's it gonna be? And the first season was okay, Um, and then for me, it just seemed to rocket when it when it hit the second season. It felt like they had um, all the characters had gelled. Um, It felt like it felt like high school, and I was close enough to high school. Stop talking about Bobby. The show that shall not be named. You know, the show that shall not be named, but the character that shall not be named. Fuck you! It's a show that I have a lot to say about. No time about when I can't talk about it. I'll say that Doug Jones in that one, uh, the, the Gentleman episode. The gentleman. Oh, <laughs> Jesus, Mary and Joseph, that is terrifying. Hush! The name of the episode is yes. Hush. And that's, that's also what like Kim's that. telling us when we try to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. With and you can't wait until your one yeah. lady leaves the table to talk about one of exactly. the definitive female shows. I don't have a lot to bust out here because I see dip in terms of Unfortunately, television. Kim, we've actually reached our quota for Buffy talk. We're going to have to. Uh... Ow, fuck. That hit me right in the ear. 
So that's you need to say fuck you, Kim, and then she says fuck you, Cody, <laughs> and then the universe is in harmony. Well, thank you for that wonderful Buffy discussion. Now no we're gonna move on to Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> yeah, if you're hungry, right, she Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, yeah, I so many great moments in that show. I think. Um, please, your perspective, Miss Kim. I was saying that I thought um, the show really hit its stride. It took a season for it to hit its stride. Oh yeah, the second season is by far when it starts to really get kind of comfortable with itself. Yes, totally. Um, when it moved away from all the monsters of the week and two other things. Exactly. The the first the first season that was even season two had a lot of that too. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. But I okay, well I think what happened in season two is you started seeing character arcs and you started yeah. seeing that how clearly defined the characters were. Um, and I also think it's important to note, and I think showrunners, um, need, especially for networks, need to keep this in mind. Um, if you give a show a chance to grow, yeah. it gets really fucking good, and people will follow it. And that's exactly what happened with well, Buffy. And that's something, I, I mean, I look at Parks and Rec and I look at The Office, and those for me are two other examples of shows where their first season is pretty weak, but mm. their second season is where they really find their footing. Yeah. Um, but no, for Buffy, for me, like, this was a show that I used to watch with my girlfriends. Like, my, you know, the teenage girls, we'd sit around... Taping the episodes and getting together and watching them this week because it it was a show that and Charmed were like two of the kind of you know late nineties early two thousands girl power shows and and Joss Whedon has some everything from Joss Whedon Joss Whedon we'll just leave Joss Whedon at Joss Whedon I mean it's it's and there's some things now that that looking back on the show are a little problematic of course but at the time having a a girl character who also could be one of the things I think Buffy was was always a big deal too is that she was a she was a girly girl. She was a valley girl who was also a vampire slayer. She could be tough, but she could also like shoes. Uh, and and that wasn't always the message we were getting. I think yeah. that it's it's okay to be who you are if that's the nerd girl who then becomes like a badass witch. If you're the 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 girly girl who becomes a vampire slayer. If you're the nerd boy. Uh, who might not have magical powers, but still helps with everything and still saves the world a bunch, or or even like or like you know, uh, what's the character's name? But Chris McCarper's character, uh, Cordelia. Cordelia, Cordelia, Cordelia ended yeah. up like being you know, been what would normally be a vapid stereotype became mm-hmm. a great character, especially when she was an angel. Yeah, and then uh, even like Anya was. Mm-hmm. Oh, was I, so I was loved great. Anya, and 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 her reaction to the body was oh oh, oh I don't even cry if I think about it. No, Every time it I watch that episode, I ball. I just I, yeah. Ball. There there are there are like a few episodes of that show that I think are just some of the best television. Period. Um, one of them is um, I think Hush. Hush. Oh, which Hush is, is I'm I'm literally I'm goosebumping just yeah. thinking about that show. It is so. Utterly chilling. Well, and, and one of the first shows on, I mean, that they, they had a not just a lesbian relationship, but had a lesbian kiss, mm. and that was a big deal at the My time. God, that's that's right. Mm-hmm. And Willow and Tara. That I mean, again, it. And it wasn't sensationalized. It wasn't sensationalized. It was in a moment where it made sense. Yep. Well, and I also appreciated too, like... I mean, uh, the whole relationship itself too, besides bridging her a little bit later on, but that's uh, a whole different thing. That's a whole that's issue. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. I was also, I mean, I was a big... I was never an angel person. I was a Spike person. Uh, I liked Spike. Um, I found him to be a more interesting character and I liked the whole... I don't know. He was uh, very I, I, I would agree. I would agree. He's a character you want to root for a little bit more. The brooding got old. But... It was it was a it was a show that was also not afraid to try try things like a musical episode. Yeah. And 
That's I fucking love that episode. Well, and it's and, awesome. and the body that episode yeah. right body. there. Oh. That episode is such a profound meditation on mortality and the lack of score. Yeah, thank it you. Took me about halfway through the episode to realize that there was no score. And yeah, then, and how and how unsettling it was. Yeah, to be watching something in silence and to realize how much you kind of depend because it, it, again it makes it feel so much more real. There's yep. nothing to be. There's nothing to emotionally manipulate you one no. way or another. Yeah. There's no, there's no false sense of of like hope or elevation that you would get from a string surge or something like that. It's just, it's just the naked truth. Yeah, it's and great that's... simplicity of like when you hear Buffy say "mommy" and it's yeah. like this breaks, you know, and, uh, and of course Anya's speech and that and oh, the fact Anya's that speech kills me. that uh, that Buffy's mom died of not. A supernatural a natural, monster. Yeah, not that it was monster. a cancer, and thought he was clear, and then it takes her out. That's happened. That's happened in my own life. You know, yeah. my mom was cleared, and then it came back, mm-hmm. and it came back, and it came back. Well, I think so it's it like a really a brain big reaction or yeah. something. But, but the, it was the, in relation to once, everything. Once happened. you have something, and you think you've passed it, and then it's 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 life. Um, it was Buffy for me is is like we talk about we talked about the movies that like define us. Mm-hmm. It's a TV show that defined me and mm-hmm. and still is. And it was also one where, um, I appreciated a lot of the wittiness in the writing. Oh, totally! It it was one of the most like trenchantly witty shows with just enough uh, of a pinch of self awareness um, to make you feel smart and in on the joke, and yet not so much that you feel like its tongue is jammed irreparably in its cheek. It just really struck at its best, which was a, quite a few seasons. It when struck that balance. Some nice. of the some of the the like the plotting, you look at the the episode, I think it was the end of season 4 when there's the elaborate dream sequences and there's things that they're <coughs> touching on that happen over the next couple seasons. And you see little undertones of things, little suggestions of things from earlier seasons that foreshadow things that then happen two or three seasons later. And I appreciate that because it's something I think a lot of shows want to do, but most shows don't plan that. Yep, the, the DC rather than MCU route. You know, yeah, they, exactly. They shove it all front and like, can you pick up my hands? Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. It's like, yes, we can see it pretty damn clear. And it's, it's also <laughs> why I, I give credit to, to shows that plot out there, you know, I'm going to do a show that's four seasons long because this is the story I'm telling in those four seasons as opposed to Oh, let's just see if we can keep this going. Let's just see if we can <laughs> keep this that, going. Let's keep, if you're talking about Buffy, that maybe relates to a similar yeah. show that did plot itself out. Then they gave them dump trucks full of money, and ten years later, we're still going on with Supernatural. Yeah, uh, which had a five season arc, and that also had a kind of weird first season until they got their footing. And I thought, I thought the characters, right. I thought. Uh, the, the main actors were awful in season one. Season two, they came back and like, you guys are so much better. What happened? <laughs> like, I don't know, coaches or whatever. Uh, but season, but in season two, I thought I really picked up. Season five was a great wrap up, and then it's like, well, here's a bunch of money, and now we're at season what fifteen. And, and it and is actually the well. And I, to be fair, I watched the first couple episodes and I couldn't get into it. I never returned to it, and. But I know rabid Supernatural yeah. fans. I quit in season eight or so. I thought it was really fucking awful. I, I never heard that better. Kind of goes no. goes. I never gave it a chance. So. I always think of him as the guy from Gilmore Girls, too, so that might not help. <laughs> Where he plays Dean when he's Sam with this. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It's 
got. But it's but it is a show that's. I mean, again, it has a, a rabid fan base, and it's survived for a very long time. And, and it also takes self meta with tongue in cheek, certain degrees. I think when shows get to a certain season, you have to. Yeah. Because at that point, because part of it is just one big wink to the fans. That's the only yeah. reason the show is still on. When you're 15 seasons in. The only reason you're still on is because you have a fairly loyal fan base. Yes, yes. yes. Um, but uh, the the there was a period of time in the early 2000s. I think we were getting the late 90s, early 2000s. We were getting a lot of these kind of teen supernatural shows because mm. we had Supernatural, Buffy, Teen uh, Wolf, Charmed. Teen Wolf Came Charmed, out later, yeah. and then a little later the like the Vampire Diaries. Yeah, and, I think Teen Wolf is around the time of Vampire Diaries. Yeah, though. that was a little bit more mid. 2000, mid early 2000s, 2000, like yeah. 2005, 2006. I don't the know, CW horror. <laughs> the, well, but the CW but, was really running that. I mean, it was the Twilight era. Too. Oh, you, yeah, were, yeah. you were starting to get into the Twilight time with all these vampire things, and I think a lot of uh, of the network wanted to kind of capitalize on the teen girl. I, I mean, I hate to generalize, but yeah. that was the market primarily. Um, Paranormal romance. Yeah, no. Uh, My boyfriend's booty. Take me, Edward. Which I mean, say what's like. It's a Lovecraftian monster. Say what you will about it, though. (laughs) I, I, you know, and I'm somebody who rips on Twilight, but also, if somebody likes Twilight, I'm like, you know, yeah, you do, you do, you, you do, you. Like, I I hope we lead you into the actual genre, you know, or or it doesn't. Yeah, but and they just enjoy their supernatural romance. Like, I read the books when I was when they came out, and I think I didn't hate the first. One and I read the first one also, and I found it very interesting that I was able to readily get into the mindset of a teenage girl. Yeah, because uh, I think that the book you is and written, Seth can capture the teenage yeah. girls. Well, there we go. <laughs> Capturing teenage girls. Um, but yeah, and I what I found really fascinating about it. One of the many things I found really fascinating about it is in the book the big conflagration conflict between Edward. Uh, Edwin, whatever the hell, you know, sparkly, sparkly Robert Pattinson, and uh, the evil vampires. Batman, thank Thank you you. very much. Um, uh, Is uh, it it occupies about two pages of the book, and then the final senior prom that is the big deal thing at the end of the book is like about eight pages. Because that's what a girl's exactly. And I thought that was, and, and the thing is, I think the book renders that pretty convincingly, and I I was all in on the book. Um, Movies. But moving away from Twilight. Anyway. Oh, that's right. We need to move out of the Twilight. We need the television. TV. TV. Twilight is a television show. But we got got, uh, that era that's essentially trying to get that same market. Might as well. And you had True Blood coming out around then, too, which I read the books. I watched the first couple seasons. They lost me at some point. It got to be a little too much, so I didn't watch the last few seasons. But I really enjoyed the first season of True Blood. Yeah, I read the. I watched the first season and read the first book, and that's where my and I have the other books. I haven't read them yet. They were fun. I mean, again, they were basically grown up Twilight, except I think a little smarter because I mean they're grown up, so there's yeah. there's some more nuance. The characters are fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some. There was enough Buffy in it too mm-hmm. that it really appealed to me at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't read the books in probably a decade. I don't know if they've held up, but uh, it's that same sort of of one. And vampires are always good for fantasy. Yeah. Um, vampires are always good because they're they're sexy. They're sexy yes. in a way that the Wolfman is maybe less sexy. Although apparently Teen Wolf, I haven't watched Teen <laughs> I've Wolf. I've heard it's a solid I, show. I, I hear it's it no, now. it's on my list to get Everybody's to. sleeping on my Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> Was there if there was ever a fan of the opera show, I would have been all over it. Uh, there's no. I'm talking I about being hot, man. Oh, okay. Um. <laughs> about what? 
About him being hot, man. Ah, Phantom of the Opera is hot. Mm-hmm. Okay. I He's mean, a big fan of the heroic like way. You we're, should read some fan fiction. There's plenty that. Mary Allison's a big fan, so she can yeah. probably point you at fan it. Fan with a PH. Yeah. I, I, I said the f in there. I, her and I probably read some of the same fan fiction. Probably. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, other TV shows, guys? I have so many. Yeah, that I, I'm I, like, I, I, Bob, I've been talking a lot. Oh, no, I said like, we're kind of bouncing around here. So, I wanted to uh, see here. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, speaking, I loved that show. <laughs> yes. that the best speaking show of anthologies ever. and movie adaptations, that's uh, you guys want to watch the Friday Thirteenth and Freddy's Nightmares. I miss them. Yeah, I watched them here and there, and I've revisited Freddy's Nightmares from a bootleg disc. Yeah, recently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> me too. Because <laughs> are not they actually, available anywhere? No, they're not. No. They're not commercially there's a, available there's a anywhere. Huge I think, issue. Yeah, true. I think those those were ones that I was I always kind of wanted to watch, but I never knew. I, I, I bought them at Crypticon from the from the bootleg, from the bootleg booths. Yeah, cool. Uh, they're okay. They're cheap. Yeah. Uh, I've I've seen them more than I have Friday Thirteenth. Uh, but they're all both. But both the stories are anthology ser- series. Yeah. Based around like Friday Thirteenth has nothing to do with you know Jason, but Freddy's Nightmares has Freddy yeah. telling the story yeah. of, of Robert Englund. Yeah. yeah, I think I saw like maybe and one. And he's episode. in like the first episode's his backstory, which doesn't t- directed by Toby Hooper. Uh, doesn't huh. match up time wise or character wise or anything else. It's uh, but it's fine. It's cheesy. Um, where it's funny, like Freddy's like, "Yeah, go ahead and burn me." And he says, "Burning." He's like, "No, <laughs> I made a mistake." Well, one of the I, I, one little like trivia <coughs> footnote with Friday the Thirteenth is that the leading lady on it was Wendy Roby, who ended up oh, in Twin Peaks. Oh, Indians. I didn't know And uh, that. the main guy in that yeah. was the main guy in Jason versus Jason Goes to Hell as a different character. And at one point there were go- not not Crichton Duke, but the the nerdy dude. Um, mm. At one point they were going to bring in Jason's mask as be like the finale was going to relate into the series by like because the because the shtick oh, was because the they were looking for yeah he he yeah. gets his uncle's antique shop and starts selling the antiques until right. he finds out like oh those are all cursed you shouldn't sell the antiques in your antique shop like well shit <laughs> gotta get them back and here's the story of each of those things and the last one is gonna be Jason's mask and it's gonna come back and the they never got around to filming mask. it yeah <laughs> hey, <I know. laughs> maybe it's the thrift store in this case hey man that Zach Baggins asshole bought Charles Manson's soiled garments so it's possible <sighs> I had somebody asking about him on my tour the other day. Man, and I was fuck like, Zach I couldn't, Baggins. I couldn't no, keep you. the eye roll That's out of my That's a lot of disease face. that I don't want. That, like, I didn't even fully roll my eyes, but apparently my face did something where the guy was just like, never mind, you have spoken. <laughs> he like, makes oh. the Warrens look dignified. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snaps to Cody. <laughs> There's some hot take. Uh-huh. Anyway. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you can borrow my, my uh, Friday Night Mercy. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, it came out. Our, we both have them. Yeah, they uh, it came out like while the series is still going on. So it was between four and five when they came out. I I, I remember reading something about how much Robert Englund fucking hated doing those because um, I guess they changed showrunners a couple times. Of course they did. And he was like, "Man, it was just so much Freddy." Mm-hmm. He got Freddyed out quick because mm-hmm. oh, they were making him back to back to back yeah. to back. He didn't mm-hmm. even want to come back for I think. They had to talk him into part five. Yeah, this is he right was, after he did Freddy's Nightmares. He's like, fuck, I'm done. Because he's like, yeah. he's burned out. He's like, I don't want to do Burned out. Uh, <laughs> you, give an, I mean, you give an actor enough money and it becomes worth it. Yeah, yeah. Supernatural I, season uh, and six then, or And now he's like, you know, I think I could do one more Freddy role. I'm like, what the fuck? Do it. And like, and it's like, they have the rights back. I think it's yeah. with somebody. I'm like, fucking do the fucking movie with him before he dies. Just yeah. don't go for something like that. He's don't put that out there, Bobby. Don't put that in the universe. <laughs> The um, but then else, but 
that also thinks it makes me think of Nightmare Cafe, which is a six episode TV show mm. with Robert England produced by Craven. It's not great. I watched another <laughs> bootleg of that and they're iffy. It's kind of you could tell they had like no budget. Mm. Um, but they're they're okay. They're, there's there's stuff in there. But also another anthology of when people died in it's cafe and talks about how they died and like their how it, them like affecting like a purgatory cafe. Kind of, kind yeah, of. essentially where they kind of reevaluate the last thing that happened to them and move on from there and you get a couple souls who are stuck. And one played Robert England and then the other played by a couple people who are around who've done various things here and there. Now what happens when you get like a really embarrassing death? Like Robert England makes fun of you. <laughs> it's like like, so, you're, like you're Elvis and you've been straining on the toilet too hard and you just oh. die of a. Well, yeah, I don't think I want to know on the television shows you get the. It's like looks like you too. died um, trying to that. fit two cucumbers up your ass. Three's um, my record. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's like I'm ah. sorry. That's quote of the day. Hi, <laughs> you died trying to fit two cucumbers up your ass. Three's my record. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast quote of the day. Fair we enough, are live fair tweeting enough. Bob's comment. Yes. Kim so is live tweeting. I am. All right, so what else uh, would you like to mention? I've still got to... Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo, so Scooby yeah. yeah Scooby-Doo, you have to talk to mention. Just on that cartoon. Total horror gateway. Yeah. You know? I must say, I was always frustrated when at the end it was always some greedy asshole who'd get a mask ripped off. Until you get and Zombie Island. I liked some of the more the stuff they did in the 90s where it was or in the Zombie also, Island, which is Curse. Yeah. Uh, some of the other stuff kind of kind of they're like 13 Ghost Scooby Doo. Yeah. And that's late 80s. Price is bad in that. Now, that, that said, I thought that the comic repartee between Shaggy and Scooby was. Absolutely classic in the original TV show. And, and I have to bring this up. I saw a meme the other day where it's like, Raggy, I'm scared. It's okay, Scoop. Here's a Scooby snack. They say as the gang is gathered around Scooby and he's about to be euthanized. Yeah, bring us down. But we're more oh, I did! I'm sorry. I, I do like this. Uh, they go around occasionally, especially around Halloween, of like, that one guy who drew uh, the, the gang interacting with modern horror icons. Yeah. 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 You see a couple different versions of those. A couple of people have done them different points, and there's always really I mean, who doesn't want to drive around with their talking dogs, smoking weed, and solving crimes? I mean, the weed's only implied, but it was the yeah. 70s. And listen it's to like Chase go to Crystal Lake School! <laughs> Well, you got to interview uh, Matthew Lord a couple years ago, which is yeah, awesome. Yeah, I did. I'm pointing a was That was a blast. I mean, he, and he was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. I had not seen either of the Scooby-Doo films prior to, inter well, I, I had just seen them uh, just prior to interviewing him, like not a week before I actually interviewed him. And he was, um, uh, he is so perfect in those movies. He is, he, he is, he is, he is a magnificent shaggy and i never thought i would put those two <laughs> words together but yeah he's a magnificent shaggy i have some other interesting stories about that that interview um but i'll abstain you know um, magnificent shaggy that could be um a scooby-doo wizard of gore crossover <laughs> oh my god that's terrifying shaggy uh, the magnificent yeah but that makes we you diverge that makes me think of like other like cartoons i watched in my youth going up like, like beetlejuice or darkwing duck Dark or Dark or Duckula. Duckula. <laughs> Darkwing Duck did. Oh no, I was thinking, I was yeah. thinking Duckula. Okay. Uh, Darkwing Duck did did Count bad Duckula. Yeah. It's, there was there was two go there was two ducks and yeah. I always say the wrong one. No, I have because it's on my list. Count Duckula. Yeah, it's like if I was my number one thing is the first thing we're watching. It. The the opening of Count Duckula I loved too. The opening credits to it, the little story. Yeah, the, with the ketchup the and blood. And he said the way he says blood. 
so dry, so British. So this British. This when Nickelodeon moved over that, Mighty Mouse, Banana Man. Oh, yeah. A bunch of uh, Danger Mouse, mm-hmm. a bunch of British tunes from the late 70s. And then, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, good. Um, but I did want to drop one in just because I enjoy flaunting how goddamn old I am. Um, one of the more popular kids' uh, sort of horror crossover cartoons um, when I was a wee-wee lad in the early 70s was a show called The Groovy Ghoulies. Yeah, it's on my list here. Hey, awesome. Yeah, um, that was a very fascinating show because it was basically an animated version of Laugh-In with monsters. <laughs> and so it was all quippy wisecracks and then they would always have, since this was a filmation animation studio show, you would always have like basically the same animated sequence repeated ad nauseum, just because they wanted to save money. You know, if you watch all the old filmation cartoons, like yeah, the, old, uh, the old Star, Star Trek, Trek animated series, I just watched that again recently. My and wife's I, like, "Is this is so cheap?" I'm like, "Bet the writing's fine though." Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's another. That's a horse of another color. Is how good the writing was because they had like actual writers of the real Star Trek episodes doing that. But with the Groovy Ghoulies, it was all about snarky wisecracks and. And musical numbers, and they would have some kind of actually sort of cool, kind of groovy, you know, 60s, 70s, you know, monster rock songs, but it would always be the same animation for the band. You know, <laughs> I think like Dracula, the Dracula character would be like, you know, playing guitar or something, you'd always be making the same moves. And, um, but that was actually one of my favorite. TV shows when I was a kid, and it was a little bit of, I mean, I couldn't say it was a gateway, because I was already hardcore into horror, but I thought it was cool that I could turn on A lot of Universal Monsters. Thank you. You know, Tony was already on the toilet in a public bathroom with a needle (laughs) sticking out of his arm. Uh, The the Groovy Ghoulies was just extra. (laughs) But when it comes to, like, that and, like, Dracula, I think Michelle Nask marked, uh, she posted up something about uh, Dracula, like, last month, and I was like, I remember watching the show as a kid, but I'm kind of afraid to revisit it, because it's going to suck now. Suck. But, but uh, is there anywhere that I th- it would know is commercially available? I'm seeing Best Buy like 12 years ago. I don't know if it's still there. Or... I bet the library would have it then. They might. I would love to revisit that. I would like to see it too. I remember really finding it very amusing. And I watched I it. I watched it first run. So I was a kid when I watched this, and I that is a long time. I know, right? It was like turn of the century or something. Fuck, man. Uh-huh. Hell yeah. Um, can I throw out another cartoon since we're talking about cartoons? Yeah. Uh, Gargoyles? Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Absolutely. It's going to be a Disney Plus. I cannot wait to watch it. I know. I'm, I'm stoked to, because it was at the time, too. It was. It had a lot of adult themes. I remember one of the characters getting shot at one point by accident because I think one of the gargoyles found the police officer's gun. And it was also, you had not just a female detective, but. Uh, a female detective and she's not white, which was awesome. Um, there was a, I don't know, I, I, that was, that was a really big show for me when I was younger. Uh, I loved it. Also, the voice actors were fantastic. And it's, oh, was Jonathan like, Frakes was one Jonathan, of them. It was basically half of the next generation work. Cause I think, uh, Brett or Spinner was also, he was Marina the, Service, I think yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it was, it was a bunch of the next generation people. Which would um, also explain why the writing was strong. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was, it, but it was a, it was a really. Keith David. Keith yeah. David. Fucking Keith David, man. But it, it was one of those shows that, like, you know, we look at shows that have the adult appeal as well as the kid appeal. Like, adults could watch the show with their kids and yeah. enjoy it and get the first, because it started out as a movie, I think, or at least it was. Probably like a pilot movie. A pilot movie kind of thing. Because I remember when I was older being able to access a DVD or a VHS of the movie. I'm rewatching it then, but I haven't rewatched it in years, and I'm really excited 
to be able to watch the whole series again because that's one I want to revisit and and I well, I also loved I mean there were Shakespeare elements yeah. to it you had Puck for Midsummer Night's Dream and I don't know it was there was a there was a lot there it was an intelligent cartoon Speaking of, actually, this this brings me to a show that made a strong impression on me when I was a kid. Also, because it had, uh, it was basically an adventure uh, cartoon, but it had episodes that were most definitely, absolutely hardcore horror. Um, was a show that Hanna Barbera did in the mid '60s that was syndicated when I was in grade school called Johnny Quest. Yeah. Johnny Damn right, I watched it. I mean, the readings are all yes. good too. The, well, There's I not fond of the, re, of the of the redos. I like the probably the, uh, right the thing is that Johnny Quest started out as sort of like a junior James Bond. Yeah, you know, um, with his uh, with, with his dog and his uh, you know East Indian friend and his you know uh, scientist genius dad and his guardian uh, who race Bannon. Race Bannon, who looks, uh, who unfortunately Mike Pence wrote. I know, yeah. which makes me very <laughs> sad. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's race Bannon, not oh, racist God. Bannon. Um, oh. um, but one of the things that was really you great want to talk about, about show, just for that one. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you, you. You had the cue up, like I have to talk Johnny Quest. Uh, so I can yeah. <laughs> One of the things, I, one of the things that I really always admired about Johnny Quest, and it actually really holds up. I have a DVD box set of the original series. Is that um, first of all, the design work is really sophisticated for a, a freaking kids animated cartoon. I mean, this was designed by an artist named Doug Wildey, who had a very um, pulp novel cover aesthetic when he directed and so every episode of that show has a lot an awful lot of scenes that look like they've come out of like a two-fisted action comic um and also um when it descended into horror it descended hard characters died um there were truly horrific images that just stuck with me forever um there's an episode where a mummy is brought to life and it's brought to life by a guy who is like basically against the the colonization and the exploitation of the egyptian people I mean, how adult can you get? Um, and the most, probably one of the most scary shows I ever saw was an episode, and I'm blanking on the name of it, um, where Johnny and his dad and, and the, the gang end up on a um, completely deserted um, fishing trawler. Mm. Uh, with only one guy who is surviving who is unfortunately an Asian uh, an Asian man and he is rather caricature. Um, but if you can overlook that, um, the boat is terrorized by a sea monster. And much of this monster's reign of terror is related via journal entries that end very abruptly when Ooh, a character... Nice. Exactly. Like mm. And between the music and the unearthly noises that this thing made and the swatches of suspense that are in it, it's it's scary shit. It's like, even today... Well, not today. The last time I watched it was probably about four years ago, but uh, it, it still holds up. It still really has that impact. Um, and uh, part of it is it was in an era where people were still figuring out what was appropriate for kids and what <laughs> wasn't. And so you could make a show where you had like a huge amount of applied violence and monsters and things that you normally... I mean, if you tried to make a show like Johnny Quest today, it would be marketed at adults. Venture Curious. Brothers. Yeah, oh yeah. It's yeah, Venture yeah. Brothers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm like, have you ever seen Venture Brothers? <laughs> yeah. That is the Or the more appropriate... Uh, question is if you've watched venture brothers have you ever seen johnny quest <laughs> I, I have what's, what's johnny quest is a canon in venture brothers if you've yeah. watched it yeah. like he's the grown-up version of him shows up he's you know? <laughs> out on drugs and shit yeah it's and, and that's which like, i would be if i fought mummies as a fucking child <laughs> 
Yeah, it's that's true. But yeah, there are a few episodes of. Uh, there's also a great one with a, a an alien spider that's basically this robotic thing that literally like vaporizes human beings. I mean, you see it like disintegrate human beings, and it's like a kid show. Like War of the World stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's crazy. So yeah. Can I throw one out there that's not? It's not from when I was a kid. It was one from yeah, everything's from all ages. A couple of years. Well, it's, yeah. it it only ran for one season, and it was one that it was. It wasn't a perfect show, but I was genuinely disappointed. It only ran for one season. The River. Never heard of it, but it was uh, a found footage, which is why I'm I listening. Oh wow! It was why I dug it. It was a found footage show about. Uh, this this guy who disappears in the Amazon, and so I want to say it was like his wife and son, or I mean, it's, again, it was long enough ago that I I struggled a little with some of the details because I watched it when it first aired, which now I need to look when it first aired. So is this basically me. just Cannibal Holocaust, the show? No, no, it was there was a, there was a weird like the TV series. Uh, there was a weird supernatural element. Two thousand twelve, Bruce Greenwood, Joe Anderson. So. Yes. Yeah, eight yes. episodes. Bruce Greenwood. Oh, hey, oh, that's... Uh, created by Warren Pelly, who made. And that was why, and that was what first drew me to it. And it was one, I was really, really bummed that it only lasted eight episodes. Eight episodes, because there was something, and and it comes back to what we were saying earlier, like, it didn't get the ratings, so it got canceled. And I'm like, right when it kind of started to figure out what the fuck it was, it got canceled. Yeah. So producer of uh, the other main main person produced Millennium, the X Files spinoff, mm-hmm. which looks pretty all right. Uh, Freaky Links, I remember that show. The Dead Zones. This guy's lurked on horror a lot. It it was a it was really interesting. Um, oh hey, this is Netflix was in talks to possibly oh. continue it. Though he they wrote American really Gothic. The, the other the other Matthew Barry who yes. Uh, uh, Matt Perry, uh, Michael Perry. I can't speak today. Michael Perry, who is the other creator of it, um, wrote The Voices, a great movie if you haven't seen that, mm. and uh, wrote American Gothic for But it episodes. was, I, I, I really was enjoying it. And again, it, it was figuring its shit out. And it was not given the opportunity to go further. And I was really crushed that it wasn't because I loved the idea of a found footage TV show. Because I am a, an apologist for found footage movies. I think they're really interesting. Thank we you. We as a topic. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's... I, Which we need to do as a topic. Yeah, I literally just said well, that. And when I was <laughs> when I was still in the horror honeys, I was one of the few who was really into found footage. And I got a lot of shit about it. Loving shit. Because it was the horror honeys, of course. But uh, it was such an interesting idea. And... It was really starting to pick up, and it got canceled, and I was crushed. Uh, so it's it's one that I don't even know if it's it's. I'm sure it's available somewhere. Somewhere, it's some ABC. It so was it an ABC. Yeah, it was a mainstream show. But I also it was it was really interesting because it was it was like 2012. I think you said. Yeah. Bob? Uh, it was on ABC. It was mainstream. You can rent the whole season from Amazon for ten bucks. Yeah. For fifteen bucks. It was a mainstream show. It was on ABC. So you're you're seeing, even though it wasn't successful, the the entering of horror into mainstream audiences. This was something that Paranormal Activity had been successful enough, and other found footage movies have been successful enough. It was like, let's try this. Well, and I can see found footage translating really super well to, to a TV series. Yeah. I thought it did. again. It, it was figuring itself out when it got canceled, and I was, I was, I was really disappointed. You know, not all right, so talking about one season. Season two is going to this is coming out. We're talking about 
found footage style. It's not mm-hmm. exactly the same thing. The ad- adaptation of what we do in the shadows is oh. fucking brilliant. It's more of a yeah, like faux documentary kind yeah. of style, but oh, the, like man. office style. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. As I've said before, the the movies one of my top five movies of all time. And I think the show is actually better. I think the show is better too. I <laughs> it's agree. A, we've it's talked about it a couple different episodes mm-hmm. of the podcast previously, but I just want to throw it out there. Since we're talking about newer television shows in that. Anybody ever so, watch The Strain, if we're talking about vampire I, shows? I've read the books, haven't seen the show. I've been curious about the show, if it was worth watching. I heard <coughs> very mixed things. I didn't watch it, I was just wondering if anybody else had it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those, it's been a long term on my list. It's I've one that heard, I bump I a lot. I heard that the kid is insufferable, and that just makes me... Uh, the Toro connection makes me want to see it eventually. <laughs> uh, Walking Dead. Yeah, oh, yeah. of course. Yeah. We, 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 I can't, we can't Stumbling at this through. point, but, yeah. No, it's actually <laughs> really I, gave, I gave up on it last season. It's, it's actually really season picked up. Five well, and the thing is, it's very hard to realize, because now the show has been on for so long that it's become, again, a, a pop culture fixture, is how good the first season was. Oh, yeah. And how, like, dramatically sound it was, how solid it was, how suspenseful how suspenseful it was, how utterly involving it was as television in general and as horror television. I really wish that they had let Darabont do his full vision for the show Um, because I thought that his zombies were better than what we have now. Mm -hmm. His zombies like picked up tools and they could climb fences and they were fucking dangerous. Yeah. And then when they kind of took that away, season two suffered. Because it was half. Well, season two suffered for a long reason. Season two yeah. had its. But season There's three, some meand. I mean, I actually really have a soft spot in my heart for season two, but I'll readily acknowledge why people don't like it. I, I like meanders a lot. It. I like it. it but I'm rewatching. I skip it. It was slow. Yeah, I like three, mm-hmm. three, four, five, and six were really, really good. Mm-hmm. Seven falls off the rails. Eight, two. I still watched them, but they fall off the rails. But season nine really did a lot to redeem the show. And from what I've heard, season ten is watching. See, I, I feel like, because I dropped off, I watched like the first episode or two of season nine, and I just couldn't. Partially because it, it's become such misery porn that I'm... What I was really pissed me off was Fear the Walking Dead abandoning the start of the apocalypse in season one. Mm. I have always thought that a detailed show... And I, and I think it would fit best in a more of like a news type documentary. Nah, maybe not a found footage, but like kind of like a documentary, mockumentary type thing of the start of a zombie apocalypse would be mm. incredible. Mm-hmm. And to see, I'd be into that. And to see like you know, how society collapses and all of that good stuff. And they're like, okay, well here's six episodes and now we're just doing Walking Dead on the, on the West Coast. Like, no, that's not what we wanted. I specifically... Remember them marketing it as like, a, oh, well, you're going to yeah. see what actually happened when the virus first in. No, you get six fucking episodes of that. Fuck well, that shit. Black Christmas, not Black Christmas, uh, Black, <laughs> Black Summer did that a little bit, uh, but we started maybe like a little bit into the apocalypse and everything is still going to shit. But the show ended up to becoming Walking Dead after the first like three episodes of that. So. Yeah. Uh, another newer show, if we're talking newer shows... The Terror. Yes. Uh, which is also anthology. Uh, it's good, though. Each season is self-contained. I've only seen season one, but season one's fantastic. I heard season two's even better, so. I, I just started watching season two, and it's... Uh, the season one is taking place... Um, the failed Arctic expedition, uh, the HMS uh, Terror in Erebus. Erebus. Yeah. And, like, fuck, man. The acting is stunning, how that show did not get any 
recognition from the Academy. I think that's criminal. It was so good. The acting, the directing, the visuals are gorgeous. It was, um, for me, I just, I watched it within the last few months, the first season. It was, it was, it's become my, like, this is the show I'm pushing on people now because it was that good. The second season is uh, internment camps. And George Takei is in it. And so far, I've just oh, wow. watched the first few episodes. It's it's very good. Very different. And But I appreciate that. It has that uh, kind of the spirit of the first season still. But uh, Now, I, I find this, this is uh, sort of off on a tangent. I do find it very interesting that it seems like a lot of shows now are, they're creating like a whole self-contained season, mm-hmm. but then doing a completely different show that's a complete self-contained season the next year, like American Horror Story. Um, obviously, uh, there's been, uh, you know, uh, Mike Flanagan is, is supposedly planning a second season of The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, basically, I'm turning a script. to do yeah. with the first one. Um, what are your guys' takes on that On that practice? What do you think about that? I think it's an interesting trend. Well, and, and some of them, I mean, American Horror Story, they all exist in the same universe. Yeah. Because they, with Apocalypse, they all crossed over with each other. Uh, so you do have, and I think that's the intention too with Haunting of Hill House, is that even though the stories aren't directly intersecting, they're taking Still, place in the same. In a very world. same, they might have like same tone, same idea. I think yeah. it's the same way, in the same way that like in franchise, in, in movie franchises, like even if they're separate stories, it's still. The same. Well, Lynch loves doing feeling that. to it because he said that a, f- a handful of his movies are in the same universe. Yeah, like Mulholland Drive and Twin yeah. Peaks, or even though they don't in any way story-wise line up. Besides, like Laura Palmer and the other victim being in, in the dream sequence, being in the dream sequence, <laughs> yeah. Uh, before what, what's actually dream sequence real and Mulholland Drive is a whole different right. thing. Uh, but actually, I I think it's a fantastic idea and a good way to approach which you can see like the same. Like tone and creators and people, and you know what you're getting into for season two, but you don't have to watch previous season if you don't like Castle Rock. Yeah. We, we're talking about like is Castle Rock con- disconnected from season one, but you, but you have the same. It's a spiritual sequel, spiritual follow-ups. You yeah. know. Well, I think in the world of binge watching too, it's it's smart because you acknowledge that somebody is probably going to binge watch one season and then take time before watching the second season. And if they're self-contained, that's a lot easier to do because I even do this with, like with Stranger Things, uh, I will, when a new season comes out, enough time passes, I'm like, shit, man, I need to go Gotta back and rewatch out. because I, it's, it's been long enough, I'm going to forget things, and if I forget things, I'm going to miss details, yeah. so I feel compelled to rewatch, and, and sometimes that prevents me from starting a season right away because I'm like, I, I need to rewatch it. It's been long enough I don't remember things. <laughs> I watched that in season three. I was like, I kept her announcing, like, have we met that person before? Yeah. She's like, oh, it's that person. I'm like, okay, and she'd do the same thing to me. It's like, I remember that person. I don't remember a story. Like, then I'd pop in. You know, it's like, I, so we worked it out together. But uh, ultimately, but ultimately, I think franchise, like, anthology seasons are a well, a really good way of doing it. If you, if you give it a new name, People might not watch as much. Right. So you're gonna follow but it that. has that brand loyalty. But also, if you're going to... I also think it's different. It You know, it used to be the TV seasons. New season started September, October. And shows ran through May, June. And you took the summer off where it was reruns. Yeah. And now, you could go a year. You could go two years between seasons. So, if, if you're bringing over points from previous seasons... 
you have to rewatch because I'm like, shit, it's been two years. It's where it used to be two to three months exactly. in between our seasons yeah. where, and they'd still do a little recap or they'd, you know, leading up to the season premiere, they'd rerun the last couple Previously episodes. On. Previously on. Yeah. But it meant that you were feeling like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it's, it's refreshed my brain from two months ago, three months ago when I watched the, the season finale. But now it's like, shit, man, the last season of Stranger Things was two years ago. What happened? There's Russians. What's going on? It's, it's the, I think it's smart for the way a lot of people are viewing television now mm-hmm. uh, to, to do that. Because um, people are taking a lot of television show like extended movies. It, well, exactly. Yes, yeah. that is essentially what's happening. And, and part of it is because I think saying the word miniseries, which is really what, what these are. Yeah. They're miniseries. But there's a stigma to that word. I think six to eight hours, self-contained. Mm-hmm. Wrap but it up. And then, then you can pick up the same characters later, but it's not quite the I same. I think people hear miniseries and they think like lesser production value, lesser, lesser. Mm-hmm. Whereas saying so, like a, a limited series makes it sound classier. Or an anthology series where each season is self-contained. It's like it's fucking miniseries. But we don't like calling things miniseries because we think of miniseries as being something like our grandmother watches on Lifetime. <laughs> um, Which is interesting because there's a whole evolution of that because there was a time when miniseries were the penultimate. Like Roots, Roots being a great Rich example. Man, Poor Man. Yeah. These were all like very big North deal and South, shows. like mm-hmm. 16 they, hour. Yeah, things. exactly. Which since you were a season of television show in the course of two weeks. But then I think <laughs> things like that actually burned people out and as they as they continued to proliferate more because they garnered, garnered ratings, um, there was less quality put into them and so they became ghettoized. They became stigmatized. Well, and you also run into the, I mean, again, today... If I miss an episode of a TV show, it's on demand, it's streaming online, I can rent it through iTunes or Amazon or fucking anywhere, it's no big deal. But if I'm watching an, you know, eight-hour miniseries that's running over, it's a four-night event, and I miss one part, I'm fucked. Because this is when things didn't rerun, and they're not going to rerun a miniseries. And so there's also that if you miss an episode, you're screwed. Because you you've missed a chunk of the story. Yep. Uh, <laughs> when uh, when the stand played in 1994, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. uh, but when we were watching it. We weren't sure if we missed the night. We did because uh, it started playing. Oh. Like, did we miss something? Was I thought tonight was episode two? It was actually episode three. So my mom and I were watching. Like she she had read the book, so she knew what was going on. I'm like, uh, what did did we just do a time jump? Like no, we just literally missed episode two. Yeah. You know, that's the an stand. interesting thing to bring up. We don't have a lot of horror miniseries that we is that, that are directed by Mick Garris, yeah. <laughs> which is actually I I actually. That's actually, I was really super fond of The Stand. I really enjoyed it. I actually... You worked. uh, I actually thought, and I'm a huge fan of the book. It's probably my favorite King book. Um, I was impressed with how much of um, kind of King's expansiveness of vision in that book they got. Because um, it's the kind of story, it's like what a... 1300 page book yeah the extent you need, 90, if you're gonna version. do that on t- you, you know that's like three feature four feature films um unlike the what felt like a little bit padded out it <laughs> um you i if you did a, a stand motion picture it would need to be three or four um and so i think that 
the miniseries format was extremely favorable to that show and gave it a chance to breathe and gave it a chance to uh, approach the character development that you get in the novel. Aren't and they doing? Yeah, that's yeah. that a way to jump yeah. in the end. That the mm-hmm. current uh, one of the Scars Guards is playing Randall Flag, not the same one from it, but the others, yeah, the other Scars. The one of the yeah. other. There's like a zillion of them. The, the, the Baldwins of Sweden. Right? Ah! <laughs> the, uh, but they're Baldwins all much more attractive. Yes, yes. Uh, and they're all much better actors than there because there's one good Baldwin and a bunch of okay ones. Uh, the uh, it's it's even Daniel worse. Daniel Baldwin is a good one. <laughs> totally. Fair game. All but the yeah, way. I I would welcome that. I mean, I, seeing a, a new. Um, reiteration of the stand I think would be great and I think also doing it in an era where um, there is more permission to be more graphic and to be more like frank there's some fucked up stuff in the stand there's some very fucked up stuff in the the, uh, novel absolutely and so the fact that they they will be given a broader canvas, I think, is a really good thing. Um, I am a frequent listener to Mick Garris's, um podcast, Postmortem, and he was talking on one episode about The Stand and about all of the things that, he, that they couldn't include. Something as simple as a corpse with its eyes open. They hmm. could not shoot that. They had to. They had all the corpses had to have their eyes shut because it was too unsettling and not suitable for network television mm. for a corpse to have its eyes well, open. Well, 1994, they, they have changed. Yeah. Exactly, they have changed considerably. But I mean, 1994 was 25 years. Yeah. ago. Yeah, so you go. And the, the thing with uh, segment Mick, Mick Garris, it brings in a whole different thing of the Stephen King miniseries. Stephen King made for TV movie. We didn't even talk about like, made for TV movies. It kind of that's a whole really, other. That's a whole that's different. That's thing. almost a whole other. So we can. I, I can just table that. In, but I, was I have like, like a whole oh, section like TV. Yeah, absolutely. And then we'll just uh, go ahead and just table that then at that point. Yes. Uh, nobody has said Carnival, so I'm going to say Carnival. I watched the first couple episodes. No I do have the, I do own It's two seasons. It was an HBO, HBO show. A lot of the same writers as Twin Peaks, too, which is one of the things that appealed to me at the time. Uh, it started Clea Duvall, didn't it? Uh, she was Nick in Stahl it. and Clancy fucking Brown. Clancy Bill Moses in there. Bill Mo- it's, it's, it's very much a... Clancy a, Brown's a, all you need. And, and, and Adrian it. Barbeau. Yeah. It's a huge ensemble show. Uh, and what's his butt from... I don't know one of the Terminators. Uh, Nick Stahl from Terminator Thank 3. You. Oh, yeah. The um, first Terminator 3. <laughs> the first Terminator 3. The one playing is now another, it's a third Terminator 3. Uh, I, it was on when I was in college, and I watched, it was on HBO, because my university, we had HBO through our, our, our television. and Fucking rich kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Right. Uh, no, no class warfare here, kids. <laughs> Can't we all get along? But it, it was, I really enjoyed it. Um... I thought, again, the first season I thought was stronger than the second season, but I was really disappointed because it leaves on a really weird place in the second season. they thought they were going to have a season they three. Were, they they thought they were going to have a season three. And you can tell they thought they were going to have a season three. And so it's a little maddening to watch. Part of me sometimes likes to rewatch just the first season because even though it's a cliffhanger, it still feels weirdly self-contained. But... Uh, Really interesting. Again, going back to there's a few episodes that are genuinely kind of unsettling. There's one with uh, Meatloaf's daughter plays uh, the. There's a character who they're 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 the like hoochie coochie girls. They dance naked, you know. And there's 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 two of it's the the woman that you know has she has her two daughters who do it, and one of the daughters, and it, it it's very Twin Peaks. This idea of this 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 girl dying but remaining in this tiny town they travel through as a spirit for the miners who were there. And there's some really unsettling visuals with her 
where you're realizing that this is this poor girl is stuck here forever with a bunch of horny men and it's like now is a whole other kind of disturbing thing because that episode still really gets me but it's it's a fantastic classic cast and clancy brown is just he's wonderful um yeah, it's a. I, I have the first. I have both seasons on disc. I bought mm-hmm. ages ago. I watched the first disc, the first season a while back. I need to watch the rest because it, it's gripping. I liked it. It's, it's really great look to it. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. A, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a depression or before depression. During the dust bowl, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's I the dust remember bowl. it was like the t- the tinge of the twenty. Because that's part of why he initially joins is yeah. that I think his mom dies or something. It was the farm, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and there's a lot of these like clouds of dust rolling everywhere, and it's all about this traveling carnival. But it's it's the cast is fantastic, the visuals are dead oh, on. Across the street, are you looking is at my shirtless neighbor again? No, no. I thought I saw somebody moving in that building over there. I'm like, that's an office building. This, this is, is how we start. Uh, very fucking rear window. Yeah, that's like, like a I've literally or something. rear window is literally the next like, two words in my mouth. Listen, I spend a lot of time when you live just off downtown Seattle, and there's huge windows. I see a lot of things. How, how many times do you see somebody jerking it? <laughs> a lot. Although oh. more often I see sex. I see but a lot of sex. They, that'd be like, but not the sex part, but the murder part would be like, yeah, an up, a good update for Ruinda. You're recording a live podcast when you watch a murder across the way. Or, or wasn't there like those things film. where like, uh, hey, you know what? Where like the, 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 isn't there a short, short story or something where, or where a couple girls just, Randomly dialing, dialing numbers and then they end up dialing someone who's killing someone. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it was a movie like two years ago or something yeah. like that. And well, it's like, I know what you did. He's like literally like beating a woman to death. A long time ago, <laughs> uh, 1965 to be exact, um, William Castle um, produced a movie called I Saw What You Did, which is that that very premise. Oh. <laughs> so, They've been updated a couple times. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's pretty fertile. You know, I mean, that's a, you know, in fact, I'm kind of. Is the update that you're thinking of? Does it tie in uh, oh, cell phone technology and yada yada? Yeah, I think so. I can't remember all the details. I don't think I don't think the movie was good, but it might have been an episode of something. It might have been an apology. Oh, I don't remember, but it's gonna get at me for a while. There's a lot of movies on that. Well, uh, you can do I mean, the thing is, is that when you when you it's live, I, I mean, the same way. I'm not somebody. I, I like light, and so I don't put my blinds down a lot. But you just, you're aware that, like, I'm in the living room and I'm assuming somebody can see me at any moment. Yeah, yeah. And that's fine. As long as you have that in your head, it's fine. Uh, sometimes I think people forget that with some of their activities. But, like, this building is literally windows. Yeah. I'm, anyway, that's but, a But uh, speaking of anthologies mm-hmm. uh, and telling different stories in a single room when you're looking thing, uh, Room 104 is on HBO the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Mm-hmm. I watched the first season for 100 Days of Horror this year. Uh, it's not always horror. It kind of moves around to different things. Uh, horror, drama, sci-fi, some mixtures of, uh, but it's a quality show I've been watching through. Have you guys watched Channel Zero? I've heard mixed things about I've it. Heard mixed the the Shutter Show. It's been on my list for a That's long. Well, it, started anthology, right? a, it started out as a sci-fi network show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I have a screener of the first season from a couple years ago with the Horror Honeys. Which makes me also think of like Black Mirror as a newer mm-hmm. horror mm-hmm. techno horror show. Uh, so that like channels, yeah, what, Channel Zero and. Black Mirror probably came around around the same time. Around the same time. Uh, of, of, of updates of different ways of looking at things. Um, Bates Motel. Oh, yeah. I didn't really care for it. I watched the first couple seasons. I really liked the first season. 
And then the second season for me was really hard to get through, and so I eventually stopped. Yeah, I, thought, I think I stopped somewhere in season three. But it, I always it thought... It wasn't going anywhere. Like, I always lost thought the performances like a, were really good. I thought the storytelling was meandering. Yeah, because it, it's one of the things where, kind of like, uh, speaking of... Uh, if around the same time was on, was Under the Dome, where mm. it started out as something that would probably be meant to be like a limited one, epi- one mm-hmm. season, mm-hmm. and then they got renewed, and like, well, crap. <laughs> we have to extend our story... And that's where it lost me. Both those kind of like... It's like, well, they just lost... Their ending just became vague. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Dexter. Mm. Dexter for me is... Other than... I don't like to acknowledge it exists past season four. Yeah, but, I, quit, mm-hmm. I quit after John Lithgow. I, I watched I watched all of it. I regret watching some of it. Dexter was the show that finally gave me permission to stop watching shows. Hmm. Dexter for me was... I am... I used to be a show loyalist even if i stopped enjoying it because bearing in mind again too this is this is um i grew up in a pre-binge era and so for me if you started a show and you stuck with it you committed till the end even if i stopped enjoying a show i would continue watching it and dexter was the show where i finally gave myself permission to say this is fucking shit and we can stop watching oh what you don't like the ending where he winds up as a I don't know. I didn't watch it. A logger in the Pacific Northwest somewhere, probably. Yeah. Um, it was bad. The first four seasons are so good, and then it's just bad. It's bad. Does he try to bang his sister at one point? Uh, don't they actually bang? She his wants sister? to she, bang him. Okay. I don't, they they get bang, bro. They might. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't remember. That's how little it stuck with. It's like, guess your sister, bro. Don't bang your sister. Well, they. But, um, but it was a fantastic show. Yeah. I am well aware that it's not real, Pop. Yeah. Well, no, they were married in real life. And they were married in real yeah. life. That's what I think is funny. Don't bang your sister, bro. Well, Don't bang the, your sister, bro. Uh, but unrelated to that at all. So there's one other show, one other show that, actually I had three other shows on my list. Uh, one particular show I was, uh, I didn't, I thought I had made up. Because no one in my friend group for years you know, before the internet became a major thing nah. remembered the show. Do you guys remember Graveyard High with Rick Moranis? It was a cartoon show with the Universal Monsters, and he was a teacher for one season. No. Nope, no one no. else remembers this. See, I didn't think it existed for years. Now I know that you're older than me. <laughs> the, uh, Blank stairs. Blank stairs. But yeah, let's leave it. Let's leave it at that, because it made me think of Groovy Ghoulies and me think of that Rick Moranis show. Oh, wow. Um, but it's kind of, I guess, the yeah, Universal Monsters kids, this and that. Like, around the same time, like... Uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes had its own television show, uh, a cartoon. Uh, Little that. Shop of Horrors did for like a season. They both they all had, like one Shit. season. I remember, they weren't good. Yeah, I remember like the, the animation of Little Shop being awful. <laughs> uh, the Returned. I enjoyed. The I remember Return. the existing. I don't know about it. Uh, the the I want to say it was French. There was two versions of it. There was the American version, but the original version of it was French. Maybe yeah, it's French. I think so. I li- it was foreign. I remember being I think foreign. there was a foreign movie called The Return. I don't know. I had, no, I want to say that. So when they come back and they have to like try and get their old yeah, jobs back. Yeah, but the, the like American that. show was a remake of, um, yeah, The Return. It was French. Uh, it was a French drama series, but it was this, this uh, the, and it ran for a couple seasons, but I super dug it. I re- and I, I watched the American version too, which didn't last as long. I didn't think it was as good. Yeah, I didn't see either one. I liked the French one. Also, Swamp Thing. Oh yeah, the, the, all, the, the old, I remember watching the original. I've not back seen in the, the new day. one. I heard the I new one's really good. I love the original. 
Original yeah. was great. Yeah, the original's one of the ones I watched Mom a lot in USA because he watched a lot of USA. It was on USA, Because he yes. watched that, and we watched The Hitchhiker, mm-hmm. we watched uh, oh, yeah. Amazing Stories, and like that. Mm-hmm. So we watched a lot of those movies. Like, yeah, so, as I said before, my mom's a big horror fan, so we watched a lot of those mm-hmm. growing up. I, I, one thing I need to go back and rewatch, there's one episode I particularly remember in which there's ghosts of people because they, they crash their car in the swamp, uh, and they think they're trying to get to town. They're trying to help them, but they're always circling around, coming back mm. to the same space. They find their car in the bushes, and they open it up, and skeletons fall out. And they're like, oh, we're dead. Uh, <laughs> I love when you realize you're dead. <laughs> and that's, that's the one episode I remember, but I do want to go back and read I've heard the new show is fantastic. The uh, one season of it? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Maybe something. I think they're hoping that, like, they'll be picked yeah, up. Yeah, I have by a horror else. series for you, Kim. They made a clerk's show. Ah! The pilot, the the live action pilot in '95 was awful, but the '99 cartoon was actually pretty solid. You want to stick by that statement? Yeah, I will okay. stick by that statement. Okay. Um, there was a Spawn animated show back in the '90s. Yeah, it was oh, on yeah, HBO. I yeah, that. I saw mm-hmm. that actually. It was, it was, it was good. It was, it was okay. not bad. I mean, I uh, the live action film version of Spawn <laughs> is truly ah. dreadful. I need to rewatch um, that with that. But the TV ultimate. show wasn't bad actually. I was pleasantly surprised with it. Um, it had that McFarlane animated style, so yeah. that that kind of moved it a long way. I think it's like the same style. This I think we're ever actually going to get that MTV. updated Spawn that he keeps, he keeps talking about it. He's been yeah. talking about that for twenty years now. Didn't they actually make it? Didn't they actually cast that? They cast point? it like twice. I was mix up Spawn and Venom. Yeah, it's about the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hannibal pitches. Never watched it. Never I need to. I need Bob. To. I, I was waiting for the finish. I watched it all in one go. Bob, and I it. you're fired, Bob. <laughs> you're fired. You're fired. Oh, okay, so The Apprentice. <laughs> no, Hannibal's a show where I actively would. I I I don't remember when we reached the point where I was watching it and I was just yelling at them. I because you have you know Hannibal. And you have Will, and their very their faces are very close. And I just started yelling, "Kiss, kiss, kiss!" But what's great is that like it's not just subtext. They start to I mean they never make out, which is a pity. Sorry, I'm sure you can find the fanfic. Oh, I have uh, many Moves times over. Away from Kim. Many times over. Um, oh, Mads Mikkelsen and those cheekbones. Oh, my God. Right? Hell, yeah. Those, oh, see, he surpassed Anthony Hopkins for me. A- Anthony yeah, Hopkins a, and the, the guy from Red Dragon. He yeah, is Brian sur- Cox is, is my favorite. He has surpassed Hannibal. any other yeah, yeah. Hannibal Lecter for me. Um, well, he's had more time to develop a character. Yeah. And Which is why writing. I like TV. Again, you know, and, and that's something that I still to this day, uh, you know, and this is partly due to my age, but um, I still have that stigma of TV being lesser than film. We're in a TV, well, our TV renaissance is starting to exactly, come to a close. But we were in a TV renaissance for about 20 years. Uh, that shows you how behind the times I am <laughs> watching TV shows. But I, I, I mean, I think you're, you, you have all these shows, and again, I, Bob and I are of that generation. There was all these shows leading up to, a lot of people credit The Sopranos as being kind of your start of the TV renaissance, but there was things leading up to it, uh, even like The West Wing, great arguably, show. which is a great show, But and, and Buffy being a part of this, like shows that were more than just your average television show. Uh, and for a Time, arguably, there's TV shows that surpass movies for me because you have movie makers and movie actors in them. Yeah. 
Well, and not just that, but you're you're given. I mean, it you know, it's still a business, That's and right. there is still an awful lot of capitalism involved. But you get a more sustained period of time in which you can develop a mm-hmm. show, mm-hmm. and you have a little bit more freedom to, I think, do your own thing and be a little bit more off the beaten path with television than you do with film, because there's such an astronomical investment involved in the making and marketing of uh, mainstream motion pictures, especially because there's no such thing as indie pictures except for a small marginalized corner. And everything that you see in a multiplex today is watered down and safe bet. There is much more of a maverick spirit to television. Well, and you have these actors also just being given opportunities. They wouldn't be given... Yes. I, I I always look at... The first season of Breaking Bad as being a great example of this like this nuanced acting and this this storytelling that you would you can't find this on film because mm-hmm. it's it's too it's become too big budget. Everything is big budget. Yeah. Even small budgets are big budgets. We've lost this uh, well, I, you know, the multiplex is no place for experimentation no, or nuance. But TV is. Exactly. And also, we've abandoned the 22-episode model. Which, yes. is, I think, is a pretty positive thing. To oh, I think Because you, you don't have to stretch out. And have, you, you can don't have to stretch This is a story out. I have to tell, mm-hmm. and this is the amount of stories. This is the way I'm going to do it. Eight episodes, 13 episodes, How, less well, than four. Which is what the yeah. British have been doing forever. Exactly. Yeah. We and adopted I, the British method. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Of, or the European method, I guess, of, of we, we're we not trying to fit series, into anyone's not standard. not a season, a, a series. series. Yes, and that's a big distinction. Absolutely. So you could take that extra year to refine mm-hmm. your story. I think if we had, you know, for whatever issues that Stranger Things season two might have had, season three I think was a really strong season, mm-hmm. taking that extra year to refine the story to make sure it was right was the way to go. As opposed to trying to turn something over in three months. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And I think it shows. I think the the the... Where the downside of having years between seasons, or in some cases like 10 years because something's revived itself, between seasons of things, um, is that you feel like you have to revisit a show in order to kind of be caught up. Which could be yeah. kind of on purpose. Like, man, maybe yeah. more likely to go buy the DVD if you kind of forget what happened. The, yeah. the upside is that uh, there's, no, there's no rush. And it's back to that movie thing of uh, a movie comes out, you're going to get a sequel the earliest is probably two years, two years. later, yeah. unless they film something back to back, but which is not normal unless you're planning for that. So you you have writers and actors an opportunity to build and not just um, hi baby, and not just. Uh, I try to cram something out a couple months. For half a second, you were saying that to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my mom did think you guys were married at the wedding. What? Yeah, she's like, so Tony and Kim, they're married, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, we don't bicker enough. Man. We don't bicker enough. We need enough. to work on the bickering, man. So I think we have pretty much uh, exhausted our, our God, list for the most make, part. That would make yes. you their child. <laughs> yeah, no, Kim's would, like four months younger than me. <laughs> Which, which is why, which is why she's always the tough love. Fuck you, Cody. So, there you and go. you're like, hey, hey, son, come here and drink some J and B. We're gonna watch some religious <laughs> scare films. <laughs> Are we? As we wrap a- up, the on- the only thing I had left on my list that's gonna just toss out of there was Night Gallery, which yeah, essentially is a sequel series to uh, Twilight Zone. 
and the veil, which is Forrest oh, Carlyle hosted yeah. in the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. uh, that you find in bargain bins here and there because the rights are wherever the fuck they are. Um, <laughs> looking more anthologies because there were a lot of them back then. A lot of them haven't made its way to disc uh, for whatever reason. I think Vincent Price hosted one at one point too. You know, it's just the thing. But there's a lot of great television shows out there, whether it be cartoons, anthologies, uh, long-form entertainment, short-form entertainment, that we do find on television. That We we talked a lot about our youths and the stuff that for, influ- influenced us, uh, whether too early or too soon, but now our current uh, current renaissance of horror on television. Uh, any parting thoughts before we wrap it on up and Kim kicks us out? <laughs> our neighbor's cat is here. I am looking forward to season two of Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. yeah. I, it can't come soon enough. I Watch uh, the terror in the meantime. Well, thank you for the recommendation. Mm-hmm. I will check that out. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a massive, massive fan of the first season of Haunting of Hill House. I think it's, I thought, I thought it was just brilliant. Yeah, so. I'm looking forward to see what they do with Turner's crew. And uh, with, as a message to, I think the whole group, rather than just uh, Skim, uh, that the turning comes out in the beginning of the year. Yeah. And then there's two oh. different versions of the... I think that needs to be uh, a field trip. Yeah, sure. I can be on that. I'm Are we, gonna, we should field trip Dr. Sleep. Uh, I'm seeing it Thursday. Oh, Thursday. okay. Fuck you, uh, Bob. Never mind. Well, <laughs> Bob, I'm going to see, I'm going to New York this weekend. Uh, I wanted to get Fuck it before you, I Bob. left. Uh, of course, it'll be the past by the time this comes out. Oh, so I wanted to see it before I left. Bob, I like to travel the world. But uh, thank you guys. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank, thank you guys for talking to us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Talk> <laughs> to me. Thanks for sitting through this. Yeah. I mean, like... With the amount that I go off the rails on shit, if you can stick to the end, you're my mom. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Here. Or that or, or, or Jennifer Lovely. Are we kind of... Thank we're, you, we're, Jennifer. We're kind of like the equivalent of the last season of Friends at this point. We're starting to go... Yeah. So <laughs> listen to... Uh, catch up to the first 12 episodes of A Ghost Stories podcast, or 13, however they were. And look for the new episodes look for the of new, Ghoulish Tendencies. Yes. Uh, along with Hello. our future Worst Wednesdays thing idea we're packing yes. out. That's going to be fun. Um, look at something that's not just two hours of us yapping. It's you know, a 20-minute review of a bad movie. <laughs> possibly uh, with live tweeting. Yes, yeah, possibly. We'll see how things go. Ooh, it's an interesting project to take a look at. Uh, and then, yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, we'll, so it'll be the 15th this comes out. Between the, this episode and the one after this, uh, we'll be doing a Getting Drunk at Tony's, watching a bunch of time films on J&B. Which yes. Kim will be live tweeting as well. Uh, and we'll probably record a podcast. This will be the J&B Italian Genre well, Cinema Festival, is, uh, which is still in the works. I'm going to likely bring in everything, and then we can just record commentary for something we don't know we're about to watch until we watch it. I am looking alcohol. so forward to So look forward to that extra extra episode. I hope that episode. strip nude for your killer on us. <laughs> oh, I want just watch that. that so I don't think he's going to watch no, it no you don't um, <laughs> anyway so thank you for listening to City of Geek Podcast find us at cityofgeek.com like subscribe find us on iTunes yes. and SoundCloud or else you listen to podcasts find us all on Twitter uh, and go to cityofgeek.com Facebook groups etc etc and we'll see you next time thank you for speaking geek with us at City of Geek thank you thank you bye thank you oh god seriously <laughs>